that time of the month, you guys fired off and we were just your targets, I guess, because we're full of bullet holes from your questions, all 34 plus on this very special monthly Q&A edition of the Union Smack Podcast right here, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you're listening to us. But of course, this isn't the Union Smack Podcast with just me, Travis. No, alongside me, as always, to tackle this marathon of a beast of an episode, the maniac, Matt Tennant, how you been, and where, my man, can everyone catch you? I have been busy, Travis, writing these questions down by hand, so thank you very much for you know, your dedication, everybody, and as usual, you can catch me on Twitter at BruceMate, follow the show on Twitter at UnionSmack, where you'll find our link tree in our bio for all the sites you can find us around the podcasting world. Go to unionsmack.bigcartel.com for all your Hibiki TMD merchandise needs, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer, where you can celebrate five years of the UnionSmack podcast by purchasing all three of our shirts, expertly designed by Rocky himself, and of course, lulu.com, where you'll find copies of my books, The Undertaker, Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One. Expertly. Thank you very much, sir. Expertly. How do you say <laughs> expertly again? Expertly. Do it. it sounds so smooth when you do it. It sounds so ugly when Americans do it. Expertly. It sounds like a disease you get from a cough or something. Great news, guys. The channel Hibiki TMD is back. Firing on all cylinders. Just dropped a Terry Plays. Just dropped a Hibiki Pro. Look for horrors of Hibiki returning next week. That's right. Hibiki TMD. Tell the world. Tell a pal. Tell anyone you can. We're back. Check us out on YouTube. Hibiki TMD. And as always, follow me for all updates on this show and the channel on Twitter at Huss Hogan. Rolled up my yeah. sleeves, Matt. We, uh... I, I'll say one thing, even though this is a staggering, insane, ungodly amount of questions, much less than thanks to all you guys for taking the time to ask these. We really do appreciate it, believe it or not. It's just a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for giving us a, a, a meaty little pie to stick our forks in. Yes, and you know, when you uh, left for your break, Travis, people were asking, like, is it coming back? When's it coming back? And we promised you. Here it is, episode five. We're only five episodes into this series, Travis. Can you believe it? It's felt like we've had a thousand questions, but do you know what? God bless I think you because we have literally had a thousand problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not far off, actually. But, uh, you know, for all the usual suspects who have sent questions in and some new ones, then, you know what? We can officially say that it's open for episode six but maybe we'll have to split this into two travis if, if we continue to get the amount of questions that we have been indeed well without further ado matt i mean the only wrestling news really this week was uh the signing of logan paul and roman reigns and believe it or not contrary to popular belief i'm okay with that i think that's a great yeah. business move look he's not beating roman reigns for the title this is their dead season the fall they always get their ass kicked there's no, nothing really noteworthy to go down we're just on a slow burn to mania Perfect yeah. show to have it on, too. Cool. Why not? I would rather see... I mean, if they're going to do Rollins and, and, and Roman again before the Rumble, I don't want to see it at a crown jewel. I want it like a Survivor Series. So I'm totally fine with the Logan Paul system. Now, if he wins, that's another story. But I don't think that's, he's going to. No, I don't think he's going to win. This is done for publicity only. Um, obviously, Logan Paul got a massive following on all social media accounts. And obviously that following or a percentage of it will 
tune into Crown Jewel when they wouldn't have before. So that's extra viewers, you know, it's extra eyes, extra publicity, etc. on Crown Jewel, on WWE, on Roman Reigns. And, you know, obviously the company are hoping that that rubs off and sticks with them well into the Rumble and Mania season next year. But wise choice. Um, it's going to be a mauling. I think Logan Paul gets some stuff in, but I, I don't see this being a 30-minute classic. But I don't see Ro- Roman Reigns losing either, unless Theory cashes in on the WWE Championship only and pins Logan Paul for the title. That's the only way I see a title changing hands at Crown Jewel. What, is, what a sentence. Uh, 2022, uh, we talked about Austin Theory possibly pinning Logan Paul for the WWE Championship. Enjoy it because we, we will not see the likes of these days again. And like Clockwork too, and then the Logan Paul match was announced. The amount of spurgy comments from the AEW diehards just laughing at this match. When I've seen Cody Rhodes. And a guy from Everrise sell for Shaq and a fat rapper that looks like Ian Rotten in the past month. Really? <laughs> every every promotion on national TV is guilty of bringing in celebrities because it's business. Do we yes. always like when they do that? Fuck no. Get the bunny. Kill the bunny. Fuck bad bunny. No, I hated that. But sometimes it works. Kevin Owens powerbombing Machine Gun Kelly off the stage is one of the best moments on Raw in like the past 15 years, in my opinion. I love that yeah. moment. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We'll see. I think it'll work. I, I think we'll be sitting here, I don't know when it when Crown Jewel is. I know it's November sometime, but I think we'll be sitting here like two days after that, Travis, when we record and just saying like, what a fucking success that match was. I think it also doesn't hurt that Logan Paul, out of any celebrity I've ever seen in the history of professional wrestling, be in this, and that's like 30 plus years of celebrities coming in, maybe longer, just a, maybe the most naturally adapt to this yeah. he's just he gets it yeah for, for, yeah he's only going to get minute, better uh, exactly from minute one you could see like he took it seriously it wasn't just something that he was doing for you know the hell of it so it, it got a contract out of it two great matches so far so i think he'll give roman reigns something that reigns hasn't had in the ring yet but ultimately it's just going to be added to a long list of names People are kind of underestimating, like, we're in this weird era of this I've never seen in my lifetime, Matt, in wrestling, where celebrities are coming in, and they're just killing it. Pat McAfee, you know, yeah. Logan Paul, as opposed to, like, we come up in a time where, you know, Jesus Christ, LT out there, blown up two minutes in, he got through the match, <laughs> but, I mean, that was our holy grail as far as celebrities, I guess, but just a weird time, man. All right, let's stop fooling around and putting this off. What do we got, and who is it from, from question <laughs> Numero uno. So the return of question time begins with an old favourite in Batarang from Podbean. He has seven questions for us, Travis, this month. Question one. Why did we see different Dusty Rhodes in the WWF rather than the NWA? And I will add here, Travis, before I have changed the format slightly. There, there are a lot of very good and very nice comments, um, you know, praising us, praising the podcast etc but because of the wealth of questions we've got this month i've decided to leave all the comments out uh where as would usually read them so sorry if you know you sent us a really nice comment which most of you did and we just don't have the time to read the comments and the questions and do all the answers as well 
You want to you want to go first on this one, or you wait on me? No, I'll let you, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, because this was the epicenter and the epitome of the time in this company where it was character driven. Yes. The, and I loved the dream in NWA. I mean, that's peak Dusty. Jesus Christ! Anyone who anyone who disagrees with that is just lying to you. That's peak Dusty, but it was also very gritty and very. It didn't. I don't know if that stood out well on that stage in New York. Just like we talked about on that hottest matches episode, where the widow, the window maker Barry Windham didn't get over, and he didn't really change anything. Ronnie Garvin, they didn't change anything. They didn't work. Of course, Dusty blows both those guys out of the water. Do I think it would have worked? Yes, because it's Dusty fucking Rhodes. But to ask why I think they did it in their mindset, because it was the character-driven company, merchandise figures, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I I'm gonna go. A little bit further than that and so i don't think nwa dusty would have really resonated with a wwf cartoon character driven audience at that time because you know the nwa dusty was more technically driven he was a much better wrestler than wwf dusty much more motivated uh, wwf audiences had been spoon-fed really hulkamania and hulk hogan and you know the whole andre the giant stuff they, they'd had you know Masters of the Mat in there, Kurt Hennig, uh, Randy Savage, etc. You know, they get Ric Flair in a few months. A young Bret Hart. A young Bret Hart, absolutely. Yeah, even Rick Martel. Yeah, likes of them. But an NWA Dusty Rhodes, I think, would have not been right for that particular audience. They were waiting for the next big cartoon character, the next big explosion of, you know, color and life. And I think. While the promos would have been great and they'd have probably ate them up, I think Polka Dot Dusty was right for the time and the audience watching WWF in 1990. I agree. At this time, Dusty debuted in like 89. as a former multi-time world heavyweight champion, the Flair rivalry, the matches in the same company with superstar Billy Graham in the late 70s. What's the first thing we see now? His ass crack plumbing or delivering pizzas all sweaty or just like digging through garbage yep <laughs> by the way i recommend those vignettes for just so bad they're good reasons only dusty Rhodes could make those work and he did say what you want they were trash segments but dusty you cannot watch any of those and not have a smile on your face i feel like it's impossible right exactly and i would be in favor of as a tongue-in-cheek thing travis of cody Rhodes possibly bringing them back in the run-up to WrestleMania and his dethroning of Roman Reigns, just as a little uh, nice little tribute, maybe a little side note onto his uh, his championship victory. Well, you sweet, beautiful British man, that's a beautiful <laughs> idea. The, like the one, the vignette of Dusty in the Mexican restaurant, just like eating all their food. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Give us what we want. Triple H. Oh. All right. Thank you for that question. We got six more from it. That was that was a great one. So so. So question two: Why was Marty Jannetty not bigger when the Rockers split? I mean, I, th- I think we're both gonna probably say the same thing here. Not just the star power, but also the the demons and the trouble he caused, and the drugs and the alcohol. I mean, there was a lot of cards and a lot of sides to Marty Jannetty. Um, he had undoubtedly the talent, Travis, but he just let the demons, I think, get the better of him. And Shawn Michaels, for me, 
sort of rode it out better, at least in uh, in front of eyes that mattered. I think the easy answer is to immediately say the demons, and I would say that's partially right. I think it's, and the wording of it is how he controlled the demons, because all those demons you just mentioned, Shawn Michaels had the same exact demons when he was champion, if not worse. He just controlled them better. I, for Sean, as compared to that's sad. When Sean's controlling a substance better, that <laughs> Marty, you need to wake up. I think honestly, though, even more so than the demons, I think it just came down to just Mike talent, charisma, hell of a worker. I mean, he was, you know, in the old Mortal Kombat games. I think we joked before. You pick the same character, they just alternate your colors, right? Yeah. The Rockers were the same guy. They they worked the same exact style. I mean, Marty Jannetty was Shawn Michaels. You know, let's let's be real. It just all the dots didn't connect, and I don't think that's why Marty got past that class ceiling. Not just the drugs. And also, I think it, obviously with hindsight, everything's easier. But looking back on it, I, I can't see a Marty Janetti as big as the Heartbreak Kid was. You know, when they split, I, I can't see him rising to that level of stardom that Shawn Michaels sort of gained through not from '92 through. 94 to 95. It, it just doesn't sit there with me. Yes, he'd have been a decent baby face if he, you know, hadn't have been here, gone, been here, suspended, etc., etc. But I, I just don't ever see the Marty Jannetty that got to WWF champion. I think a big thing, too, is Marty never updated his look. He, he By the time the new Rockers came out, that was very dated. You're looking at 80s rockers yes. in the grunge era. Sean was also smart enough to kind of evolve and modernize his character with the times. Absolutely. I uh, could not agree more. But, you know, again, like we said, Marty Giannetti, still a hell of a talent when he wanted to, to turn it on. And I think really it's a shame that it, it's got to the point now where the less successful one in the tag team is known as the Marty Giannetti of that team. Because, he, like we said, he was still a, a great worker. I mean, all good catchphrase has got to be coined from somewhere, I guess. So, <laughs> hey, I take it as a compliment. I take it as a compliment. Shit. <laughs> I mean, you might be the only person that would take it as a compliment, but no, I'm saying if I if I was Marty Janetti, I would take it as a compliment that that's oh yeah. Oh, the oh, if you were Marty somewhat of a not, legacy. Not, not if you not if you were the person being called no, no. Marty. I mean, if someone comes up and says, hey, you're the Marty, I'm going to kick him in the nuts. No, I'm saying as Marty Janetti. Yeah. Oh, another good question. So, question three. Should Rick Martel have been bigger than he was in the WWF? Absolutely. I think we just talked about this. Absolutely. The guy had it all. Yeah. One of, I think... Along with Ray Rougeau, I think one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Uh, I, I know people, you say that and people immediately jump in with, well, how was he underrated? You know, how I did this, he did that, etc. But because think, he, because fortunately, he's underrated because he shared the stage at a time with the ultimate roster. Because as much yeah. as I love Rick Martel, you got Kurt Henning on that same roster. I'm always going to pick Kurt Henning over Rick Martel as my IC guy. As my long-term POIC guy. It's just, I want to say wrong time, wrong place, but he made a lot of money at that time, so it really wasn't, but it was just, it was the amount of talent. I feel like now, if Rick Martel was in his prime now, you're looking yeah. at dominant fucking goddamn world champion. No doubt about it. Definitely, definitely. And the look as well, like the whole model look, it was just, um, 
I don't know. He, he, I think he was almost the ultimate wrestler. If you were going to pick like an all rounder, then That's maybe huge... not on the mic, but you you probably pick Rick Martel because his matches with Bret Hart. If you've never seen, you know, Rick Martel's matches with Bret Hart as Intercontinental Champion, then you know, go and look them up. He, he carried Shawn Michaels, I think, to a, a decent match at SummerSlam '92 when it had, you know, the stipulations of that match had. Well, what the fuck am I trying to say, Travis? It had no no they, right they being to... as good as it was because of the stipulation. That's basically what I'm trying to get at. But, you know, they had, all the tools... They, they, they were handed a match with weird 92-man booking where you can't hit another guy in the face, so they had to work around the stipulation, but they still made it work. What I want to see, though, are the 92 house show matches where they're just like, all right, just fucking go for those guys in their prime. Those are the matches I want to see. You know, can you imagine? Absolutely. And we've had a Shawn Michaels unreleased uh, DVD with unreleased matches on it. I don't think there's anything on there from house shows with Rick Martel, which is a shame. Because I, I want a Rick Martel DVD. I want the best of Rick Martel or the unreleased Rick Martel. And just show us all the stuff that we can't get on the network. Because I'm sure there are a hundred bangers in there, Travis, that would better serve as a compilation than a lot of the stuff that he was forced to do on tv people forget with martel too like that guy goes way back we're talking like 81 he was tag chance of tony Gurria, correct and this guy was ahead of his time in portland having some what would be considered hardcore matches 10 years past like some early rick martel stuff is brutal in portland portland I tell you what, I've in the past ten years, thank God for things like YouTube and just modern technology. Portland is such an underrated territory. They had some really good shit in Portland. I recommend anyone to check out that era of Portland with Piper and uh, Playboy Buddy Rose. Great stuff. And every every week we give them a, a Union Smack recommendation. So that's your recommendation for this week. But most certainly, Rick Martel should have been bigger than he was in the WWF, and it's a shame. I think that he wasn't, but definite Hall of Fame guy, Travis, if Triple H is uh, at all listening to his fans. For, for me, first ballot Hall of Famer as far as the ultimate, I mean, if I'm running a wrestling school, I'm, I'm showing tape on how to be a shitty heel, a chicken shit heel, is a guy like a Martel, 100%. Absolutely. So, question two. Three bangers. Three bangers. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. He's feeling good. He's still there. He's got his sandwiches ready for when we get halfway as well. So question four. <laughs> <laughs> Can you settle an argument between me and my friend? Was Greg Valentine one of the greatest technical wrestlers in history or just another stiff body that was overrated? It depends what promotion you're watching him in. I guess is the best advice I can give you. If you want true Greg Valentine, check him out in the NWA. Yes. Um, check out Georgia Championship Wrestling. If you want, take some 10 minutes to warm up, gorilla. Boring. <laughs> your aunt, your aunt passed out there in her Sunday clothes. Yeah, that's not the hammer that I would recommend. I, I And I think he was always that Greg Valentine in the WWF. Just yeah, slow. I, I, it's one... <laughs> There's a fine line between slow and methodical to just fucking Dory Funk, you know? Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. The, the, you know, night and day, you know, his stuff with anybody in the NWA, even with Piper, you know, the, the famous dog collar match to, to his matches was like Dusty Rhodes and 
Ronnie Garvin in the WWF. It's just, it's just night and day. I, I, I think there was something with the WWF booking team when you know he came in and they, they saw how maybe how little he was willing to do, you know, because he'd already signed the, the contract and he was getting the money, you know, guaranteed pay, et cetera, et cetera, that they put him with Brutus Beefcake in the dream team to maybe conceal that he took 10 minutes to warm up. Then it was with the honky tonk man, <laughs> you know, rhythm of blues, etc. I think there was a lot of padding with Greg Valentine's early WWF career, just so they didn't you know, have people go, is that actually the same Greg Valentine that they had in the NWA? Yeah, I mean, his matches with Wahoo Daniel and that legendary feud, I broke Wahoo's leg. I mean, my God, you never hear that feud get talked about. There's just so much better shit Hammer did for. And he he, <laughs> he openly hates the rhythm and blues. He's come out so many times, he's just so embarrassed by it. <laughs> oh, my God. Sadly. God bless Greg the Hammer Valentine, by the way. God bless him. Yes, God, bless. God bless you. Greg Banana Valentine. But I you know, I, I think sadly, as much as he hated the rhythm and blues stuff, probably his most famous stint in yeah. the WWF. Like if you think yeah, Greg that's the fucking thing he ever did there. <laughs> exactly. Stood out. Look, you know, I'm not gonna say he lived different, he died his hair, but if it's nineteen eighty five, right? And you're at WrestleMania one, and you got that fire crowd just loving everything. And you can't make a match with Junkyard Dog, who at the time is one of the biggest baby faces in the world. Work, there's a problem. Yeah, that match sucks. All their matches sucked. The crowds were dead. A year before that, in Mid South, JYD was treated like Jesus Christ in Louisiana and down south. It was just my goodness. What a difference a territory can make. And it just comes to what we say all the time about any company. I don't care how good a guy is. We just talked about the Drew McIntyre, Clash Castle. If the story isn't right, it's about it comes down to the booking. The yeah. fucking booking. I and mean, we beat ourselves over the head with this. Yes, it gets repetitive. But that's what wrestling is. That's how the shit works. And that's how shit doesn't work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the answer to your question is depending on territory depending on promotion wwf greg valentine not so great nwa greg valentine all day mm -hmm. so so question five travis why do you think the start of nxt uk means so little to Shawn michaels bruce pritchard and nxt bigwigs when it was michaels himself that worked with them and was a huge part of nxt uk creative in the past now, we were talking a little bit about this before we came on air with, with Gallus and, and Tyler Bate and how they're being treated currently in NXT UK. So I'm glad you know this has been brought up. So why do you think, Travis, the NXT UK stars, at least the ones that have moved up to 2.0, mean so little to Shawn Michaels when he was you know, a big part of their development in NXT UK? This isn't a reason why if I was in the wrestling business and someone was like, hey, do you want to be a booker? I would be like, nope. <laughs> I think I with Pritchard, I already know. I mean, because it's Pritchard and that we can take that out of the equation immediately. Michaels is the one I really want to talk about because Pritchard is a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, it's such a fine line and you can love NXT 2.0 or you can hate it. Yes, the numbers aren't what they used to be, but I see it. 
and I can't believe it, but I see it. They have a diehard fan base for that show. So you, it's always hard when you bring in new talent because wrestling fans are such pampered, spoiled, pussy little babies to yeah. not ruffle too many feathers right away. You can't just bring an influx of guys into squash talent that's been over with this crowd immediately. Some you can, but a lot of it, it's got to be. No, I'm not saying what they're doing. You don't. That doesn't mean make these guys eat the fucking pins every week. You just. It, it's that fucking hard part about booking where you find guys who are kind of lower mid card and could take losses, but is he big enough name to elevate the NXT UK guy? And my head already wants to explode. You see what I'm saying? This is why I don't want to be a booker. <laughs> see what yeah. I mean, though? I think, which, I think Sean, yes, yeah, Sean genuinely fucking cares. Sean Michaels loves GYV. I know that for a fact. He likes a lot of these guys. It's just when you're a booker, you're not a friend anymore. And it's business. And it, look, a lot of people in the past month or plus, however long Vince has been gone, thing is, people think everyone's answering to Triple H. That's not the case. Everyone's no. actually answering to Nick Khan, who's the real guy in charge. Say what you want. That's the guy running the ship. So we're still going to see some shitty things we don't like because Nick Khan's there because he was co-signing them while Vince was there. So why wouldn't he when, you know, whatever. I just think it's 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 also very early with a lot of these guys, like Gallus and these guys coming in. Let it play out a little bit. Now, six months from now, if we're having this conversation, obviously that we've got a problem. <laughs> right now, I just say let it breathe. Let it breathe. Look, you know how much we despise the Butch thing, right? But we've yes. let it breathe. It's been a year. And it's clicking. Who the fuck would have thought, right? Pete Dunn seems legitimately happy. Happier now with Vince going to. He's making the most money of his career. Who the fuck am I to tell Pete Dunn you're not doing it right or you shouldn't be doing it this way? Let let him live their life. Who's to say that the Galluses and the Bates and the Dragonoff spoilers who are coming in NXT aren't having the time of their life just fucking being there and on a show people are actually watching and promoting? I, if I'm them right now, my mindset, I think they're just happy to be there. I'm sorry to go long winded on that. Alright. Um, I mean, for me, I am disappointed how they've been used so far um, after NXT UK ended, especially because when you go back to when NXT UK was alive and still a thing, these people were basically treated like royalty, Travis. You know, when Tyler Bates first won that title and went to NXT Black and Gold, as it was then in 2017, he was defending it against Trent Seven, against uh, Pete Dunne. It, tag team matches with Wolfgang as well and people were reacting to it so I, I don't think it's like as much as they don't know who they are or they, they resent them coming in and squashing their you know their guys because they know these like they know a Wolfgang they know a bait they know a dragon off because they fucking cheered him at takeover whatever it was when he beat Walter for the NXT UK championship for me I think what I've seen and the feeling I get is Yes, Shawn Michaels was a big advocate for these guys when they were with NXT UK. Maybe I think more it's new toy syndrome. Like Shawn Michaels has got yeah. all these plates to spin now. You know, he he's got a Bron Breaker. He's got a um, Joe Gacy. Yeah, I will never forgive him for turning GYV into the Dyad. That's a different story altogether. But I he's can't. got all the people that he's got it's to true. push. It. Well, the Joe Gacy stuff, I just don't see it. I don't get it. I don't, I just, it's not for me. 
even before the DUIs, just him in general. I do not get it, guys. He's from fucking Evolve or wherever the fuck. I, I don't care. I don't. He's not good to me, and I I just don't get it. He's an he's an eyesore. Like some guys, you just look at, and it's not that they don't jump off the screen, but it's like you don't belong. Period. This doesn't fit. He he. Nothing about him is intimidating. I just don't get it, and I never will. No, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And to do what you've done to GYV, one of the great tag teams on the planet, along with FTR, etc., just ridiculous. Zach Gibson looks like a fucking Bond villain, and that's the only thing notable about him right now. But you know, like I said, new toy syndrome. Michaels has got all these plates to spin. He's got all these new guys coming through. He's got to provide them to Raw and SmackDown in the next six months to a year, and then suddenly. I, he knows how good Tyler Bate is, how good Jordan Devlin is, how good Wolfgang and you know Gallus could be if they book them right, and obviously how good Dragonov is. But I think he's got more on his plate now than maybe he knows how to deal with. Well, he's spinning his roster. He better be careful. Before <clears throat> too long, he could spin in his wheels, and that's the last thing he needs. So I just hope to stay on path. I guess, too, I'm a little more lenient because look at the amount of changes on that brand in the past year. It's been blown up. Now it's rebranded. We, The guy, Vincent Mann, just fucking retired. That company is going through so many changes. I feel like they're just, they were in panic mode and now they're figuring out, and now NXT UK is gone. What do we do with this guy? It's just a fucking mess. It's a positive mess. You know, it, at least the difference in WWE and AEW right now, they're both in a mess, but WWE is like a positive mess. Does that make sense? Like it's an upward swing mess. We just got to yeah. put the piece. AEW is like, this guy bit this guy and this dog ran. What the fuck? And CM Punk's eating muffins. Jesus Christ. Thunder Rose is unhappy. Everyone's injured when the wind blows. AEW's, oof. even though their ratings were drastically up this week without the elite in CM Punk. Hmm, that funny how funny that works. That. Anyway. Yes. Good yes. question. Um, Toughest question. And also, also, I'll just add on the end of that, Travis, too. I, Shawn Michaels is very still new to this. The whole booking thing like he's still learning as he goes so maybe there's an element of that there as well and i feel like if he ever flails and needs a life preserver his best friend triple h has been doing this for a while book and you know help him out exactly yeah it, we'll see a change in a year i'm 90 percent sure so let's move no, on yeah. questions Go on. Before we move on real quick i saw this on twitter yesterday you remember the king of the ring 98 finals of shamrock and the rock Triple H yeah. was on commentary. My t my tweet of this blew up when I commented. To think to hear Triple H in commentary on this, which is great, but just some of the shit he says to think this is the guy that'll be running the company in like twenty years is insane. Insane. <laughs> so, question six: With more promotion and care, could NXT UK have drawn bigger numbers than any AEW show in a year or two? I'm going to no. say yes to that. If you'd give it I'm a year or two with millions and millions of dollars of promotion, I think it could have at least beat Rampage. I've seen the, the I've seen the fucking TV numbers for Rampage, Travis, and they're not all that good. Unless WWE took a guy who has a borderline household name and put him on NXT UK for this quote relaunch, no, I don't. Maybe they'd be neck and neck with Rampage, but people were, let me word this right before I offend anyone. <laughs> the general, 
viewer is a fucking idiot. Let's be real. The gen I'm not talking all you lovely people or the people you engage with. The general watcher of wrestling. Just flipping through the channels. Oh, I'm watching a while. I was like, oh my God, Chris Jericho. Oh my God, Daniel Bryan. You know, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, Sting. To who's these British guys? I don't think it would work. I don't give a fuck how well it was booked. Americans are fickle pieces of shit, man. And we go for notoriety above all else. And that's the sad state of affairs. Fair enough. Um, I, I think wrestling wise, though, like <laughs> if you were looking for pure wrestling, then NXT UK churned out a lot more pure wrestling than AEW did. Like the, the bangers oh, that yeah. NXT they put on. I absolutely agree. Where as opposed to AEW, the matches that people are telling me are, are supposed to be classics are just guys doing choreograph choreographed flips for a fucking hour. Like, no. <laughs> The thing that made NXT UK stand out, just like MLW stands out, is that it looks like two guys or gals legitimately struggling in a fight. But it's a work. And it's just that British style. It's not that Japanese strong style shit either, where they'll just stand there and have slap-offs for an hour and not sell shit. <laughs> Sometimes that happens in NXT UK, but when they have the standoffs, a guy's either losing a tooth or they're selling. Because yeah. they're legitimately... I, you see that clip with Eddie Kingston, and I love Eddie Kingston, but Eddie Kingston and Ishii the other week having the little tickle fight, slap fest. It looked awful. Awful. I am so burnt out on Japanese strong style. That, I mean, that's why I cling to the British style, because for my taste at 38 years old, Matt, it just suits me the best. It gives me everything I want in a match. It's, it's a roller coaster ride when done right in British mm -hmm. wrestling. And I, and, I, and I want to drill in the fact that I totally 100% agree with you. Popularity-wise, but quality-wise weekly, it would blow AEW out of the fucking water. If, and, and we're talking, this would be an NXT UK with like the Pete's, the Walters. We're getting the guns, right? We're going, we're yeah. going worldwide with this. Can't be touched as far as that. I agree. You're not touching them. There you go. Completely, completely. Even, even Mark Andrews is a better worker than 90% of AEW. So come on. I'm so looking forward to the comments that are coming from 1% of our audience when this airs, Travis. <laughs> oh, I anticipate every single word, you little pimply face shithead fuck. Next question, Matt. <laughs> so the last question oh, from Batarang is, will we ever get a UK WrestleMania? This has been like a topic for, for a few weeks now since Clash at the Castle. A lot of people say no because of the, the, the logistics of WrestleMania, etc. But I, I think it could be in the works in the next 10 years or so. You know, people travel from all around the world to get to Cardiff. Obviously, I think WrestleMania would have to go to Wembley. And I know a lot of people go, oh, but why? Clash was so popular and so successful in Cardiff. Yeah, it was, but Cardiff isn't the... How do I put this nicely? Cardiff isn't the easiest place to get to if you're coming from America, Australia, New Zealand, you know, all these other different countries. And it's not the biggest either. You take Cardiff and you compare it to London, you know, London is so much bigger. Wembley Stadium can fit 100,000 people in now it's been rebuilt. Imagine, yeah. imagine WWE could live off of that, Travis, off of that stat that they packed 100,000 people into WrestleMania for the next 50 years. So I think, yes, time zones would obviously, it'd be, you know, it'd be in, shown in um, America 
midday, one o'clock in the afternoon, etc. But hasn't been a problem with Clash at the Castle. I've seen no one complain. I, I think it's it's definitely possible. Plus, let's just be realistic. Fairy tale wise, and and mythos, and WWE link, and you know, can just sounds better. WrestleMania from Wembley Stadium. It just does. This is business. You got your little yeah. clash at your little castle, but you're talking the show of shows. You got it. It would have to be Wembley. I don't care what anyone says. Will it happen? I don't think for a very long time. Um, and I think that a lot of factors play into this. Time zones one. The bigger one, I think, right now is just the shit state of the economy in my country right now. And I know it's bad in yours. Oh, yeah. So yeah, when yeah. WrestleMania comes, yeah, when WrestleMania comes to a city in America, it boosts that city's economy to where we've seen they, they've strung that success off for eight to nine months, built off one show. It boosts local oh. business. And they ride that out and hopefully not all the time with that branches out into they can piggyback off that. Now, definitely the UK needs an economy change too over there too. And I know it could drastically help you guys. But sad state of affairs, I don't agree with it, but I know WWE's prideful American has always been America. America, the beautiful to open our shows, home, you know, all the shit. We're, they're going to take care of their own first. I think they would rather boost a city in America economy-wise before the UK. I hate to say that, and I don't agree with it, but. Yeah. No, I can, I, can, I can completely say that. Um, I'm so happy for, for a WrestleMania in the UK, though, because your guys' energy. We, as, a, as an American, I'll say flat out right now, we can't compete with your guys' energy. We just can't, because it's a positive energy, most yeah. generally, most of the time. Good. You just want to be there. You guys make it look like I'm at a, I'm at a pub with the singing, you know, and just it looks like everyone's, you know, generally embraced. Just wrestling. As over here, it's like you look at my girl in the stands, and then a fight breaks out at WrestleMania because a guy looked at a guy's girlfriend. He was just trying to find his fucking seat. <laughs> God. <what? laughs> oh, so, I can't. Look at my, my WrestleMania vlog. That remember that drunk guy before the show even started. Security kicked him out because yeah. he's spilling beer on people. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not to say that we're not. Uh quite violent people when drunk but you know atmosphere wise i can't disagree with it you, you saw everyone at clash at the castle you've seen firsthand the vlogs i've done with just like two or three thousand people in blackpool etc like you know right. you times that by a hundred thousand or ten thousand whatever the math is then you've got a special wrestlemania i think but well, like trust said, me mate, Trust me, if we're doing a Glory Hunters like soccer podcast talking about your guys' passion, totally different story. There's knives and bombs and fucking dynamite <laughs> and guns. It's jeez. And yes, I said soccer, Matt. Soccer. Yeah, soccer. Yes. Football. Football. But yes, uh, flares thrown on the pitch. Definitely like crowd invasions. The lot. We're we're uh, we're quite notorious over here for our. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on the soccer match where a nuke is literally dropped by like Spain or something. <laughs> Maybe in the World Cup in Qatar this year. Who knows? Remember that scene so, in uh, Dark Knight Rises where Bane attacks the stadium? I expect something like that. And the floor just gives way, and yeah, <laughs> everyone just turns around and goes, "Bloody hell!" <laughs> Why couldn't that happen during a Jade? Why couldn't that happen during a Jade Cargill match? Just Bane attacks something. 
and the floor just swallows her up and everyone goes, thank fuck we don't have to watch this anymore. No, it'd be more like, oh, she had so much potential. She was the megastar. What a loss. Next. Next. <laughs> next. So thank you for that, Basarang, and more next month, please. We're moving on to Morphin Marcus now on Podbean, and this is a good one, Travis. This is, uh, I, I enjoyed writing down my answer to this, and I had to write it down because I'd never remembered it. If WWE did a crossover with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers like they did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, great action figures, by the way. I never got them. I rarely saw them over here, as is the norm. We get fuck all. But and Masters of the Universe, too, they did a crossover. They did. Very well remembered. We, again, didn't see them over here for less than £50 so I, each, but never mind. At, so, my local, right, at my local Walmart right now, there's a shitload of the flair. Masters of the Universe and the Bray Wyatt. ton of them. The, the two that you don't want are the two that you find the most most of. It's just fucking always the way, isn't it? I so, just want the Papa Show one, but I can never find them. Ever. No, we don't get them over here anymore either. It's just, if you do, you're paying, you know, half a night's wage, at least, for one. It's, you know, they pay fucking... It's to the point now where AEW figures here are almost 25 bucks. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Like, I've got a good bit. I'd collect more if they weren't so ungodly expensive. It's fucking insane. Yeah, when you see them over here, on the, so I saw a couple of my travels last week. They were like $19.99. It's like, I'm not paying Chuck, that. Chuck Taylor's career isn't even worth 25 bucks. I'm not paying that for his figure. <laughs> That is a wonderful line. Anyway, if WWE did a crossover with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers like they did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who gets what colour? Now, didn't specify eras, so for this, I'm going to go Bret Hart Red because of the, you know, Red Ranger was always the the more wholesome one of everybody. Roman Reigns White, just a dominating White Ranger. Um, Seamus Green, obviously because he's Irish. Flash Funk gets the Black Ranger because he's the hip-hop sort of Zack character. Spike oh, Dudley. Oh, that's, okay, that's why Flash Funk got the Zack character. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you were thinking then, as our audience probably were. So Spike Dudley gets blue, the geeky, you know, glasses-wearing character. There's a thought train to all this, Travis, and I put fucking effort into this. Can you believe it? This was like 20 minutes this morning I did. Uh, Liv Morgan would get probably the Pink Ranger, the sort of wholesome, good-looking one, and probably Sarai would get the Yellow Ranger because you know Trini was Chinese, etc. Not, I'm not being. It's not a racist thing, but that's the best I could come up with for Yellow Ranger. Hmm. See, Matt's had time to prepare. I'm getting this on the spot. I'm going to go even more retro. All right. Bruno San Martino is the Red Ranger. <laughs> the evil, the evil Green Ranger saga was Larry Zabisco when he turned on Bruno, and then he saw the error of his ways, and then the White Ranger was Larry Zabisco. The right. Blue Ranger, the Blue Ranger. <laughs> I'll come back to that. The Pink Ranger is Wendy Richter because wholesome, right? Fair enough. The Yellow Ranger 
be Akira Hokuto. She kicks ass and she's Asian. I'll say it. I picked her because she's Asian. <laughs> black Ranger and this for retro retro throwbacks. My Black Ranger's got to be that funky Thunderbolt Patterson, baby. Thunderbolts here. Mastodon power, babies. The original Dustin Rhodes ripped me off. Thunderbolt Patterson is my Black Ranger. Coming back now. God damn it, Billy's tough. Who was a dork in this hair? Who was a dork, fucker, though? It's more focus. I, I love this question. I just want to let you know that. Yeah. Um, we need more questions. Mike Graham. Right? Mike Graham. Very good. Mike Graham. Bloody hell. Mike Graham, when he was like Booker in WCW, wore the weird glasses. That's my Blue Ranger. Rest in peace, Mike Graham. 2022 podcast, Travis, about wrestling. Who would have thought they'd have heard the, the names Mike Graham and Thunderbolt Patterson? <laughs> brilliant stuff. A brilliant question as well. Yeah, more like this, please, because it, it's a nice, it detracts nicely from the seriousness of why wasn't, you know, Rick Martel bigger or. Who would your Zordon yeah. be? Mine, my, mine would be Vernon Gagne and his big bald head shining in that blue tube. I think Paul Heyman, obviously. I need to take 50% of your pen money you made on t-shirts. Fucking <laughs> burn. <laughs> My God. What about Alpha? Who the hell would be your Alpha? Oh, Lord Alfred Hayes. Well, I can't. Well, I'm never going to be able to watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers again now. Fucking hell. <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes. Christ almighty. Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart is my Alpha. Alpha with a megaphone, that's amazing. That is so someone, someone, needs to, someone needs to Photoshop like a Jimmy Hart megaphone onto an Alpha picture. I think that'd be brilliant. So a second question from Morphin Marcus. Would Dusty to Rhodes make, have to been... Make it more, to make on. it more modern, make, Al, make Alpha Leo Rush. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. Would Dusty Rhodes? I, 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 I retire again. I, 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 I retire again. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God. Oh, hang on a sec. Fucking, I'm crying here. So, would Dusty Rhodes have been WWF champion had he joined sooner than he did? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he almost did. And the uh, the feud with Graham, he just uh, he was so loyal to Florida and Eddie Graham. Um, yeah, I 100% do. I think Vince would have died to get his hands on uh, Dusty in the early 80s because young Vince didn't want to do the, the Bob Backlund thing. That was Vince Sr. was all about. Vince had a totally different direction, obviously, as we'd see. And it wasn't the yeah. Bob Backlund style. Oh, dear. The question I think I would ask, though, is if Dusty Rhodes would have come in in 85, would Vince have been tempted? to end the whole Hulkamania thing there and then, just to make yeah. Dusty the champion. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, God, Dusty Rhodes. God bless Dusty Rhodes. He's one of my favorites to watch. I can always throw on a Dusty promo. No, I, I've got to reiterate this to people who weren't there at the time. No one was on the level of Hulk Hogan in 1985. Can't touch him. I don't give a fuck. You just couldn't. Untouchable. Fans would, 
fans at that time in 85, Matt, would literally show up late just to catch the Hulk match. They didn't give a fuck about the undercard. It's a true story. I, I, I think there still was a missed opportunity with Piper and the WWF Championship. But, like you say, untouchable Hulk Hogan. Just for a ridiculous amount of time as well. Like When you look at how little effort he put into matches that weren't, you know, WrestleMania main events with men like Savage or Warrior, it's astounding that he stayed on top for as long as he did. Had it been based on skill and effort, then he'd have lost that title at the beginning of 86. That's when you got to come back and say, hey, more fucking power to him, man. He had that run and did little little work as possible and got paid. I mean, if you can get away with it and you, you got the charisma thing with Hogan, more than The Rock for me, even more than Dusty. I'm sorry. Just the greatest showman ever. Hogan always go back to any fucking Hogan baby face match in this era. He always made eye contact with all four sides of that crowd. Would always, would always, if there was a question, anything he should do in the match, should I hit him with the bell? He would look at the crowd. He was so interactive with that audience. I've never seen a performer like that to this day make yeah. the audience feel like they were truly like his Mickey to Rocky. You know, it's, it was unbelievable. <clears throat> Even in 2002 at uh, Mania 18 with The Rock, it was like, it was like he'd never left. Like the fans ate it up. He was still doing the whole, you know, Hulkamania thing, even though he was in black and white NWO colors at the time, like like you say, one of the greatest showmen in the history of the business. Another thing Hogan knew how to do better than a lot of other people in his time. He knew how to think on his feet, and he knew how to adapt. Like if a crowd wasn't feeling him in a match, and The Rock, you, you speak of that match, The Rock had to do that exact same thing in that match. He had to act like a heel in that match. I thought he did fine, but it was very evident to this day to watch The Rock versus Hogan who played a crowd better because at certain points rock just kind of looked at the crowd like what the fuck he didn't embrace it he would start to embrace it but at first it took him off guard i can't ever remember a time hogan being taken off guard unless it was that fireball that blew up in his face in wcw <clears throat> with the warrior right. anyway uh, anyway great two questions thank you very much uh thoroughly enjoyed the first one <laughs> like so much so we're moving on to our good friend and one of the reasons for this podcast, Rocky Buyer on Twitter asks us, Travis, what are your top five WWE theme songs? Now, again, he didn't specify era, so I've gone across the board here. But I'm going to throw it to you first. First, top five ever. Jesus Christ. All right. <clears throat> Number five. Because, the Brood. Oh. Number four, Jake Roberts' babyface theme. It just has a nice groove. I like it. Number three, <laughs> Demolition. Number two, and I'm dead serious. I don't care. The Fabulous Rougeau Brothers, so good. Even as a song, that is a fucking great song. And number one, <sighs> Man, it's got to be Bad Street USA. It just has to be for me. The amount of parties that I went to back in the day, and I sabotaged those parties. Everyone was drinking, and I fucked with the stereo, and I played Bad Street USA just to see the looks. It was worth it. And I love that video because it's it's so cheesy. It's Michael Hayes is such an atrocious singer, but somehow it's fucking awesome, and I love it. 
It's got to be bad for us. Did you do the Michael Hayes strut around the uh, around the party? Do you think I did? Yes, I think you fucking did. <laughs> You'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, that's 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 the video we need on the Twitter stream. Later, yep, it'll never air because that was like O three. So. <clears throat> oh, brilliant! So mine, I think, I think a bit more traditional than Travis's. I went five. Bret Hart, just one of the most iconic wrestling theme tunes ever. Four, Page. I, I could not get that song out of my head in, what, 2007, 2008? Like her original one that began with the scream. It's like, I, I, I don't know why, but that sat with, there was a fondness for that song in my heart. Three, Randy Savage. You said 2007? You mean 2014? You're fucking right. Twenty four. Two thousand. She was like nine. Two thousand seven. <laughs> she was in like fourth grade. Oh, wrestling has oh. aged me mentally, Travis, as well as physically. I tell you. What about so, what about that kick ass Ashley Masaru theme from two thousand seven? That was badass. I don't even remember it. <laughs> oh, he's just venting now, ladies and gentlemen. So number three. Randy Savage, two, of course, Pete Dunn. It's it's been my theme tune for my theme tune. My ringtone on my phone for like what three and a half years now. His original theme song. Michael, who the fuck made thought it was a good yeah. idea to change that music? It's awful to what they I changed know. it. They're so generic. I, I, a little bit of me died when they changed it in uh, in NXT. Travis, I, I think the first time I ever heard is. Is new, I say new, but you know, the one he used in NXT was the in your house where he wore the complete white, uh, you know, to pay tribute to the, the England team that got to the final of the the football Euros. And I was just thinking, what the fuck have they done to you? Just it was such a great theme song as well, and they just shit all over it. But my number one, I you know, undoubtedly have to be. Sexy Boy, Shawn Michaels. I sung that so much as a kid. They, even now, if it, if it pops up on Spotify or, you know, iTunes or whatever, like, I'll always keep it on. Little shimmy. It's just, I think, for me, the ultimate classic wrestling theme tune. Honorable mentions for me, Real American, because it's fucking Real American. Bertha Faye theme song because it's hilarious to hear Harvey Whippleman say it's so ridiculous and the Orient Express theme because could this company be any more stereotypically racist in that era every Japanese person that came in got the Orient Express theme you piece yeah. of shit Vincent come on oh my god thank you Rocky another great question I love the list questions where you know it's a little bit out there so definitely, if you've got any that you're thinking of that you're not sure of, then just just, just throw them our way. We'll uh, we'll come up with an answer for them. But thank you, Rocky. Another great question. What, what question are we up to now? We are up to good question. Actually, we've got about seven more before we take a break. Um, it'll be a short break for all you good people, but. We're moving on, Travis, to new viewer Hanson T, who sent us three questions. Number one, if there's no draft until after WrestleMania, 
Can SmackDown realistically survive, especially their women's roster? Yeah, because who's to say they're not going to bring in more women from NXT before them? They can do whatever the fuck they want. This isn't the NBA. These aren't sports teams. They can assign anyone they want to any show. It's not that serious. And you you know Mandy Rose is coming up when she loses that title. I, I don't still don't know what they see enough. The other two toxic attraction I've heard are doing very well in the ring, but um, Mandy Rose is going to be a big focal point, I think, for at least the SmackDown women's roster when she she finally comes up. And I'll, you know, if if she does, and they put the title on her, if she's the one to beat Liv Morgan, which would make probably make sense. This you know, good looking, dastardly heel who can wrestle, maybe a little bit. Equally as bad as Liv Morgan, and take the title off her. I, I can see that completely happening, possibly at WrestleMania, Travis. I'm just, I'm just one of those people. I've never really given a shit about any of the drafts. I think honestly, they just make things more confusing. Realistically, <laughs> if I had the book, this would be just one company, and people can come and go and challenge who they want as long as they're winning matches and it makes sense to the story. I don't need 50 fucking belts, different colors, brands. I don't. I need, you know what brand I need? WWE. And here's our shows during the week. Why is that so fucking hard? You have the roster. Yeah. Christ. Absolutely. As for the rest of SmackDown, it's thriving, I think, at the minute. Like, has the SmackDown tag team division ever been as interesting as it is now? It's like you've got the Brawling Brutes, you've got Hit Row, I suppose. Uh, Viking Raiders, even though Travis isn't a fan. You've got New Day. Um, I'm not sure who else you've got there. I haven't watched SmackDown in a good long while. but um, uh, Los Lotharios. Right. What about the good teams? <laughs> uh, Can anyone... um, Alpha, Academy. Alpha Academy. Oh, Alpha Academy. There you go. Um, so, yeah, like great depth in that tag team division. You know, plenty for Usos to have matches with. Uh, you possibly got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as well. You know, challenging for them titles come WrestleMania. So I, I think just great depth there. Great depth in the Intercontinental Championship division. Walter and Gunther. Uh, Walter and Gunther. Gunther and Sheamus, sorry, haven't finished their little feud, I'm sure. We're going to see that again. So I think SmackDown are in a much better place. Travis, talent-wise, than a lot of people really see or know of. I do too, and you got Papa H back. And then and a lot of a lot of characters that were beyond fucked up and broken. You know yeah. where they're going to try to salvage somewhat. I mean, Dewdrop, Nikki Ash, they're just begging to have a career resurgence. You've also got ridiculous with toxic crap and that nobody cares about. I mean. It, it, it's it'll be fine, guys. Trust me. Absolutely. Stop peeing Absolutely. So, question two: Has Gunter restored the prestige of the Intercontinental Championship? In your opinion, I, I'm going to say uh, he's getting there. Yeah, I was going to say so far. I think they've knocked it out of the park. The little things too they're doing, like show, on SmackDowns lately, they've been you seeing these. They're showing these little history lineages of the IC belt. I think that does nothing but help. Um, just let the guy go out and do what he does best. I mean, don't make it silly. Just keep it going, and I think you're well on your way. We've come a long way from Mike's Lemonade and Shinsuke Nakamura. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, just I think just look at Clash at the Castle for proof of how how interested they are in rebuilding the Intercontinental Championship. Like, that Walter, that Walter Sheamus match would never have happened under Vince McMahon. And if it did, it wouldn't have gone as long. And it would have probably been gimmicked. It would have gone four fucking minutes. It would have gone four minutes. The promos would have been like Irish potato stereotypes or German (laughs) sauerkraut references. And it would have been fucking stupid. And it would have been, most important of all, it would have been forgettable. And people are still, I'm still talking about the Sheamus and Walter match from Clash two weeks ago. So There you go. So absolutely. And I I think if, if Walter's allowed a, a long run like he had with the NXT UK Championship. He's definitely got the skill with Triple H behind him. The amount of challenges as well that he's he's got on SmackDown and you know will potentially have if they do a draft and mix it all up. Like he's got another year, year and a half in him as champion. And in that time, I think once he drops the title, it will it will be the the second you know most important championship in WWE again. The title that you win as a stepping stone to the big one. We get the booking right. The next thing to do is to fix the fucking design of the thing. Oh, oh yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Fucking disgusting. I, I don't know what possessed them. Like, I'm, I'm sure they looked at some of the Japanese belts and thought, do you know what? We could make it sort of like that. But I, I could sit on a pencil and fucking come up with a better design than that. If in doubt, Travis, just go back retro. And bring back the white, the white belt or the black belted old intercontinental design. I'd even take the weird little attitude era belt, the flat one over this one. Yeah, absolutely. Just get rid of that fucking design. But I'm sure it's making them a lot of money with kids when they're selling the the little foam replica titles. So I'm sure it will stay for a while. But Triple H's got, you know, he's held the belt himself. So not only does he know the prestige behind it, but he knows what. Uh, what looks good on a plate, and it's definitely not that. It's the belt that made his career. You think he'd uh, want to treat it with respect, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, hopefully by WrestleMania, we're sitting here going, yeah, thank God he's brought back the old one. Thank God he's brought back the Attitude Era one. Thank God there's a redesign. Because I know, I have heard actually, that there are a few redesigns in the works. I don't know what belts they're for. Hopefully it's for that one. Hopefully it's for the the WWE slash Universal Championship, because you've got to get rid of that big fucking W in the center of it. But I, you know, I, detest, I, I detest belts that are just big company corporate logos on them. It's lazy. <laughs> it's beyond lazy. I, I think it would fit now. Um, keep it until Roman drops it. And then, I mean, how, how popular would Cody Rhodes be, Travis, if he came out the night after WrestleMania? Makes it like his neck tattoo design. The Cody belt. Oh, no. <laughs> like the John Cena spinner bullshit they had. No, 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 no. But if he just pulled out the winged eagle belt, like the pop he would get from people that fucking remembered it, obviously. A lot of that, the fan base wouldn't, but... That's been uh, one of his actual... One of his mission statements on interviews was to bring that belt out of retirement if he ever wins it. Will they do it? Doubtful, but we'll see. I think they would. Obviously, they'd re, you know get rid of the WWF logo on the top, etc., but they've done that for replicas anyway recently. 
I think Triple H would let him do it. Would it be a main fixture? I don't think so. But I think it would be a nice little touch and maybe a placeholder while they actually come up with a, a good design for the next WWF Championship. Indeed. So, last question from Hanson T. You mentioned Kevin Dunn, but what do you think of the stories that he's had sway to veto storylines in WWE? What do I think of the stories? Do I? You mean do I think they're true or false? I mean, I've took from this like, what do you think of the fact that he's had sway to veto storylines? To which I'd probably answer, he's just what what is what does Kevin Dunn do now? Is he just in the truck? Because if he's just the production guy or the head of production, then he's got or should have no say in what happens on the screen. Just shoot the fucking thing and make it look pretty. I mean, he's always kind of been in the writing team, like back in the days of Cornette was there and Vince's circle. Kevin Dunn was a part of the writing meetings. I don't know if he is now. If he's not, then he needs to, you know, know his place. You're a fucking producer. You're not a writer. If you want to be a writer, then join the writing team. But if he is, then I guess he has every right to, you know. I don't know I mean, what... That- I don't know. I don't know what chiefs are wearing the certain hats, and what Indians are Indians in that company because it's so confusing. So I, I could answer it better if I did, but I, I guess length of service. Um, his father's quote saving the whole tape library. He's got a job for life, pal. All that shit probably doesn't hurt him having power. Guy's been there for forty fucking years. I mean, of course he's going to have power. That's 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 any business, honestly, on that level. Sadly, I don't agree. I, mean, I think the guy <laughs> sucks. I, he would have been one of the first people I would have let go. Because exactly. one thing that hasn't changed, one thing is, is, you know, SmackDown has wrestling again. It's gotten a little better. You know what hasn't? The camera cuts. Just as bad as they always were. Ridiculous. Could not agree more. My first act would have been to get rid of him and Pritchard at the same time. New start, new beginning. But, you know, Maybe he's like the uh, the pet that's been there. He's been there for 40 years, just sat in the corner, gathering dust, and they're like, oh, we can't kick him out now. No no you one know, will have him at this, this age. What, when do you guys, do you have a Thanksgiving over there in the UK? No, we, we, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, no. Okay, whatever holiday equivalent to, a big feast prepared for the family, right? Let's say it's, it's Thanksgiving over here, and we had all the all the fixings, Matt. We had the goddamn fucking stuffing and the sweet potatoes and the dressing and the turkey, but it was just too, it was just too much food. So of course you put it in the fridge, and you go about your business. A week later, that once good meal is now when you open that fridge door, it just stinks. And when you go to throw it away, you don't just throw out the turkey, the main course. You don't just throw out the turkey and the mashed potatoes. That have now accumulated to one big rotten meal. You don't just no. throw out half the rotten. You throw it all away. They've kept the rotten sweet potatoes. And they've kept the, the rotten fucking mashed potatoes. And Pritchard and Dunn. Throw the whole meal away. Let's get a new meal. Can I see the owner of the establishment? I'm hungry. There you go. So thank you for that, Hanson C. Um, <clears throat> we're going to move on now. Last three questions before we take. A small break from Harvey Wallbanger, another long-time listener on Podbean, asks three I, I questions. This well, 
I know I'm just saying I love this guy. I love his questions and I love his name. Every time I hear his <laughs> name, I smile. It's, a, it's an excellent, excellent name. So, number one, why was The Rock's first WWF Championship run booked better than Austin's? Was it because he had better storylines and superior opponents who wanted to get him over? Or was his star more appealing to the WWF after the initial win? I didn't hate Austin's first run. I didn't hate the booking for that. I think we got a lot of good stuff out of that. We got Taker turning heel, the alliance with Kane. We got the first blood match. We got the highway to hell. We got the breakdown. I, and it led to more shenanigans with like pulling the gun on Vince. And I actually yeah. think I like Austin more. Whereas, whereas I think Rock and Mankind, I just think more just flip flop in a title as opposed to long term storytelling. As with the Austin thing, they were telling a story through the whole year. <clears throat> I mean, from where I'm seeing it, um yeah reviewing the in your houses etc the dude love stuff was very good match wise you know both of their matches were, were great and then it all dipped for austin for me the stuff against the undertaker and kane was just drivel you know a lot of them apart from the summer slam match with undertaker the in your house matches you know a lot of that stuff was just really really bad you you look at undertaker versus kane versus austin that was terrible, Travis. Oh, yeah. That well, is... by the time you get to Judgment Day, that, that match yeah. was crickets. Yeah. He was in the main the event. And it, right. it was, for me, like, I think Austin's run was, I don't, you know, first off, I have to say, I don't think The Rock's first championship win was booked any better than Austin's. The hot shotting of the title, I thought, was absolutely ridiculous for Steve Austin considering he'd spent a year, a year and a half, building him up to this spot. You got him over the hurdle of Shawn Michaels. And now, like, you're hot-shotting the title from him to Austin to, to Kane, back to Austin, then, you know, to Vince, who wants to vacate it, and then either to Undertaker or Kane. It, it, was, a, it was a mess how they booked it. I think, too, I, looking back, I think, too, what Vince and Russo and those guys were doing, this was unprecedented time. So they, they in their minds, I think fans thought, you know, if you gave the guy the rocket, oh, he's going to have the Hogan run. They didn't want fans to go into pay-per-views thinking, well, I'm not going to buy this because you know who's going to win. I think they did the Kane win, even though it was a day, to make you think anything can happen. And it only made their pay-per-view buys go up with that unpredictable. And I'm not saying they're good fucking matches or they're <laughs> riveting television, but the numbers don't lie. I mean, it, it just went up and up to the stratosphere, man. Yeah, and you know numbers are one thing, but if we're talking like match quality, etc., rocks, rock and mankind. And, and, and let, let's look at it. Look, they both it's just had not, Mick Foley. It's just not that, that it's just not that era though, for to throw that in the argument because that was, I wouldn't even say match quality was secondary in the attitude era. It was like fourth. <laughs> I feel like right. Yeah, I mean it was. Look at any of the pay-per-views. Fucking St. Valentine's Day Massacre. <laughs> what work rate on that fucking show? My God. Oh, God. <clears throat> if we are, however, talking about match quality, then they both had Mick Foley right at the beginning of their runs, which, which only helped. And The Rock only really had Mick Foley, as where Austin had to, I think, yeah. climb the hurdle of, of Kane, who wasn't ready for a main event spot. 
you know, who was overexposed as to what he could do as that character. And obviously an Undertaker who was who was a bit fed up with where he was and just all and over he the was place up. character wise. He's fed up and not to mention he's really fed up right after the yeah. ministry shit, he took that vacation until the the badass character. He was ready for a break. Absolutely. So the Undertaker was collecting the check. Kane couldn't really do much, and it was all really on Austin uh, during that last you know phase of his run before the title went to The Rock. As where The Rock had Mick Foley, and I, I don't think any of The Rock and Mick Foley's matches were truly like really bad. Even Rock Bottom, the match wasn't wonderful, but again, it wasn't a stinker. So I, I think The Rock had the better rub of storylines and you know what came out of them match wise but i think austin had a bigger hurdle to climb in the fact that he had to either unwilling or just opponent who just couldn't you know match his level of popularity or go in the ring so question two if davy boy hadn't have been coked out of his mind for 70 percent of his singles career would he have been in contention for the top 10 performers of all time. I think so. I mean, for, for, it, it, I think it depends like what side of the, the fence you sit. If you're a big British Bulldog supporter, then naturally you're going to think he is in, he's in your top 10 of all time. But I think realistically, as good as Davy Boy was, <sighs> Yeah, he didn't help himself, especially as a singles a single star. I, I put Davy Boy in the top twenty of all time. Maybe not the top ten of all time, but you know, if, if he hadn't have been <laughs> coked out of his mind for seventy percent of it, had no, he been saying, on the ball We're talking if he'd been on the straight and narrow and and clear headed, I think he would have only studied this craft and gotten better. Who's oh, to say what Absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah, you, you hear stories of how good he was, and obviously you can see how good he was when he was on the ball. Um, even SummerSlam 92, when it was, you know, Bret Hart carrying him through it, there, there was still a level of awareness there of what he had to do. It's not like Bret Hart was picking him up off of his feet and having to drag him around the ring. So it, even yeah. on whatever he was on, substance-wise, you know, cocaine, um, human growth, hormones, etc., he was still a very good wrestler. And then you go back to the Owen Hart European Championship match to crown a new champion. Just look at how good he could be. I think, like you say, take the drugs out of it and the British Bulldog is in anyone's top five of all time. I have no counterpoint to any of that. Nail on the head. So we're going to move on to the third question from Harvey and the last one before we take a break. Why wasn't Kerry Von Eric bigger in the WWF? I think he could have been the next Hulk Hogan if they'd have booked him properly. Drugs. <laughs> why is this this month? I mean, what do you to say? What do you want to say? This podcast has been all fucking cocaine and demons. And so every downfall right. of everyone on this podcast has been drugs. It's a sad indictment of the time, isn't it? it pro- <laughs> okay, fine. 
it probably didn't help matters that he had half of a foot because of a motorcycle accident that he he was involved in. He didn't want to stay in the hospital waiting surgery. He was all drugged up in the hospital and tried to walk on it and damage it to the point where they had to amputate. He was never the same performer. I don't care if it's WCCW, Super Clash 3, WWF, fucking the moon, Jupiter, Carrie <laughs> Renner, always and forever be an awful promo. There it is. Drugs and his promo skills. Fair? I think that's very fair. And also, he wasn't the same wrestler. Half a foot or not, <clears throat> as he was in WCCW. I don't know whether Vince didn't really see it in him. Um, I think his best stuff, you might disagree, was against Kurt Hennig. But apart from that, WWF Kerry Von Erich was a shadow of the greatness that was the WCCW Kerry Von Erich. Well, and you, when you say greatness in WCCW, you got to put an asterisk there because the reason, and I think his best matches with Flair at that Texas Stadium show mm-hmm. where he won the NWA, but the reason that he never had long runs is because of reliability because Kerry Von Erich was one of the biggest flakes in the business and would no show, <laughs> no call, no show promoters all the time. So they took it off him in a month and he never got it again. Had he had not passed away, the original plan was was for it to be David Von Erich. I think that would have been much more suited because say what you want, David at least showed up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I should I shouldn't have just said drugs, right? But there's a lot of factors, reliability, <laughs> promiscuous. But the underlying thing that led to all of this man's problems with amputations and reliability was drugs. And it's I hate to say it, it's just that era. You know, absolutely. We said at the beginning of that question, didn't didn't we? Really, a sad indictment of that era. Just the drug use that just brought down so many promising and potential, you know, talents that could have been could have been the world beaters. And let's let's not just act like that was left in the eighties, because there's a couple guys active now who worry me. I'm not going to name any names, but two of them just had a little spat on Twitter this week with cocaine allegations and stuff. One of them <laughs> looks like shit, and the other one looks like he's so roided up he could have a heart attack any day. I know it still goes on, Tony Khan. I know it still goes on. You know, we've had claims of all these breaking news guys, wrestlers do drugs. I don't know what to tell you. They just do. By the way, so do baseball players, so do boxers, so do fucking UFC fighters. Holy shit. They're everywhere. And I, I've always hated the stigma on the wrestling business. It doesn't help that, you know, the, the performers from back in the day, the dead performers are much higher. But also, baseball players weren't making this. Baseball players got off seasons. Football players got off seasons. Boxers fought twice a year. Wrestlers were the hardest of the hardcore. Worked, fights or not, they didn't stop. 365 making the shots and that's there's a reason why there's much more dead wrestlers today because it was an unfair schedule to even compare to a baseball player there you go couldn't agree more so travis we are going to take a break right now but when we come back in part two we are going to answer and this is news to you because i've not let you in on this yet we are going to answer possibly the the i'm not gonna, it's not the longest question but this is going to be our longest answer to a question we'll ever be asked. And we're going to dip into some SummerSlam 92 goodness. And unfortunately, have to 
look at some AEW stuff as well. But that is all in part two. Join us in a few minutes. But until then, here is the former WWE United Kingdom champion, Pete Dunne, to give you a little message about how great this podcast is. We'll see you across the road, mates. I'm the Bruiser AP Dunn, and you're listening to the Union Stack Podcast. We are back from our break special Q&A episode. Thank you to Bruiserweight Pete Dunn. Entertainer extraordinaires are back, Matt. Let's get right back to them. We've got we've got meaty questions, you're telling me, up ahead. We have. We have we've got the meat and I'll send meat and two veg, but no. We've got the meat and potatoes to the second part of the return of question time, Travis. Courtesy of new listener Christian McGregor, who asks, I listened to Jim Cornette in August read out scrapbooking ideas from Vince Russo. Could you give us your opinions on these? I'm particularly interested to see what you think about the Yokozuna pitches. And I have to, like I said to you in the break, some of these are, we can skip over some of them because they're just like, Nothing, but some of these are absolutely fucking golden. The ramblings of a madman. So, number one, I've been looking forward to this. I, I spent a good 40 minutes today writing these out by hand. So, number one, Mark Moreau should start abusing Sable out of jealousy, which will turn the fans against him and make them cheer for her. Basically what happens without the, without, without the strong abuse there. At the appropriate time, a top babyface, maybe dude love, should save Sable, who will then go with the babyface. Then Sable would screw the babyface in favour of Moreau. So they held on to this for like 25 years and just did it with Mandy Rose and Otis, I guess. <laughs> yes, somewhere along those lines. Um, I said Jim uh, Cornette. I remember. Didn't, didn't Sable have a black eye? They gave her a black eye in a segment insinuating that he hit her. I think they might have done that. Now you mention it, like, I, I do remember Sable with a, a black eye. I mean, what was wrong with Vince Russo? And well, when you study on Jerry Springer all day in preparation, I mean. <laughs> I say, what's wrong with Je uh, Vince Russo? What's wrong with America, Travis, please? Like, Jerry Springer? My God. I, I, that, that's like just an extreme that's like the ecw of talk shows especially over here it's like all our talk shows are so tame and then you switch on an old jerry springer and it's like i fucked my mum's sister like it's just what is going on over there especially your biggest the one over there is your your biggest uh weekly one is what nightly show right um we have a few we had one called uh, the jeremy cole show which, which was basically a toned-down version of Jerry Springer. Um, sort of, the, It was more like parental issues, like, am I the father of my sister's baby? <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> just it's, Imagine somebody listening to this in 50 years' time going, what were they watching 
back in 2022. Um, but yeah, we have more like nightly chat shows here. Pretty much for you guys, if we can't fit Gordon Ramsay into it, we're not making a show out of it, basically. God bless you. God bless you. I love Gordon Ramsay. Hell's Kitchen, I I fell off with that, but uh, it was one of my favorite programs. Kitchen Nightmares. We love Kitchen Nightmares in this house. We are Gordon House. And that is why we are friends. Anyway, back to this. Jim Cornette did note that the plan was originally for Mankind versus Mark Moreau at WrestleMania 13, but Mick Foley in his own words, asked instead not to be on WrestleMania if that was going to be the case. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> what can you say? I mean... <laughs> can, you can you imagine Mark Moreau versus Mankind as one of the main selling points of WrestleMania 13? That's so ironic because... I've heard the interview from Mick Foley before, like when he first, he debuted the night after Mania 12 in 96. And one of the first guys he talked to backstage, because he was backstage at Mania 12, just, you know, shooting the shit with the boys, went up to Scott Hall and Mick Foley asked him, like, how do you think I'll do here? And he's like, no, you might do well. Like Mark Merrow, you might make, you know, three, speaking of three figures. So it's ironic that he was envious of what Mark Merrow made when he got there and didn't want to even work with them at Mania a year later. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. So we're going to move on now to some of the better, more juicier ones. Blanket Doug Furness and Phil Lafon in the Japanese flag have Yokozuna and the Patriot join their cause as the soldiers of the rising sun. The Patriot, who was an American through and through, as was his gimmick, let's not forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, that, that that's, that's the reaction of all of our, our listeners. Just oh damn, no! <laughs> oh. oh god, I'm crying. I love the name. Um, I think that's the best thing I, I can say about it. I, look, look, I think you and I both love the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Did Vince Russo? Was he around Yokozuna at all at this time and saw the physical state of the man? He Go must on. have been. He must have been. Survivor Series 96 was the last time we saw Yoko on TV. He was still under contract until, what, end of 97. He was just never on TV because he was too fat and wouldn't lose the weight, etc. No, if you're going to do this, especially since he was already in America at the time, if you're going to do a gimmick like this, you got to reach for the stars. You need that loot, that looter. You need that leader to be like a Muda or a Liger or, or a, uh, or a, um, oh, God damn it. Hiroshi Tenzan or, you know, those, one of those kind of guys, Japanese royalty. Yokozuna is yeah. fucking awesome. Yokozuna is one of my, my favorite ever, but he was past, way past his prime here. I actually like the idea for Furnace and Lafon. It's something. The Patriot? <laughs> I'm picturing what his mask will just be a Japanese flag that was boring mask. No, it's dumb. I think it was the right call. Because let's and this isn't funny because he's recently passed. Rest in peace, Del Wilk. I think if he would if he would have stuck around full time. The amount of Percocets that man was taking and the abuse he was doing in his body, he would have died on the road for WWE. Yeah. I think it was for the best that he off the road. But Japanese Patriot, I just can't. 
<laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> That's fucking so, amazing. I want to make that as a big pro so bad. Oh, God. So the next one. Change Flash Funk to Charles Skaggs, which was his real name. Let him be his high-flying self, but rub him up against Ahmed Johnson in their cause against the nation. Maybe the nation tried to recruit him. He refuses and then teams with Ahmed Johnson and Mark Henry. The bit I love about this, Travis, is that, yeah, Flash Funk isn't going to sell, but Charles Skaggs on the banner is a real fucking marquee name. <laughs> Can you imagine? These are Ahmed Johnson, these, Mark Henry, these Charles are killing me. <laughs> these are literally killing me. I don't know oh. if I'm going to make it through this so on. Um, <laughs> no, I'm no, don't do this. I'm glad they didn't. Oh, god. So, this one is even better. The wording of it just put Rick Bogner with Tom Brandy, cut his hair, and you have a beautiful Italian hitman team. But real Italian gangsters don't kill them by gimmicking them. I mean, was Rick Bogner really uh, that Italian, you know? And fake razor remote, just cut his hair, and people will believe he's a real Italian hitman. I've I've said before on here, I've always hated mafia gimmicks in wrestling. I continue to hate them with Tony D, whatever the fuck his name is. I the only one I ever liked was the FBI and ECW because it was a joke. It was you weren't supposed to take it serious, right? Yeah. And I and I look I love little Guido Nunzio as a worker. He's tremendous, but uh I've always hated the mafia gimmick. Tom Brandy and Rick Bogner. Oh. <laughs> Nothing oh. says tortellini like Bogner. My God. Oh, God bless Rick Bogner, by the way. <clears throat> yeah. So, Bracus will be over the same way as Ahmed Johnson was, <laughs> just by everyone looking at him and will want to be him by looking at him. <laughs> And just reiterate for our fans, Bracus. If you don't remember Bracus, then lucky you. I can't even make it past the word Bracus. As soon as you said that, I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever looked at Bracus and thought, I want to be him? He just looks like that. tiny Gary Strachan. Will <laughs> Gary Strachan, you, you put in your pocket. Like micro. Oh, my God. Oh. Droz should be a suicidal, crazed footballer who was cut from the NFL because he was unbalanced. A disturbed and deranged Steve McMichael. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> That's not even funny. That's just the epitome of bad taste. You don't don't use suicide in any kind of gimmick. Oh, no. Don't do it with Tim White. Don't do it with Tim White. Don't do it with Road Warrior Hawk. It's always in bad taste. God damn it, Vince Russo. What is wrong with you? Oh, it, get, it, get, it gets worse later on when we start mentioning the women. It's just... Oh, oh dear. God. I can imagine. So we, we're we're going to skip past a few because the, ne the, the next few are like, cut the honky-tonk man because he's not going to make it. Fire Fatu. I think Bart Gunn's a keeper, but he's a good old boy, etc. The next real... <laughs> <laughs> the next good one is, and it's some of this actually turned out to happen on screen. Have Barry Windham turn on Bradshaw, but have him become a modern day bounty hunter. 
someone puts a bounty on the blackjacks and Barry Windham is paid to make the hit. The hit, Travis. Didn't they didn't he just do his character in reverse then? Because he came in as the bounty hunter stalker and then he became a blackjack. So you want him to be a stalker again, but now you want him to be on dateline <laughs> murderer? What? A murderer, yeah, exactly. Barry Windham has like the most gentle eyes I've ever seen in my life. That man's a sweetheart. He's not going to kill anybody. You fucking idiot, bro. Oh, the most gentle eyes. That, that, that's a that's a that's a clip. Oh, my God. So this one sort of ties in to the last point he wants to make. So Eric Watts could have elite potential. All right. So store that in the back of your mind for a minute or two. So uh, yeah. next one after that was Justin Bradshaw. What else could he be except a true shit kicker? Make him a badass cowboy. Dustin Rhodes with an edge. I'm pretty sure, Travis, he was thinking about Stan Hansen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was just not clever enough or educated in wrestling enough to know who Stan Hansen was. Dustin or Rhodes he, with an edge, Maybe he was trying to like word it where Vince wouldn't shoot it down. Because if he just came out like make him like Stan Hansen, Vince would be like, Oh god, no. Fuck Stan Hansen. Maybe Vince hated Stan Hansen, so he worded it. And Vince, uh, of course, we didn't see that on TV, so Vince figured out like he means Stan Hansen. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Oh god. So another Yokozuna one. Uh this this one is Yokozuna joins forces with the Heart Foundation. There's a lot of history there, so it could make perfect sense. Now, all I can see, Travis, is Yokozuna in a pink nappy with the black tie around it. That's all I can see when you mention that. What would you have done with Yokozuna in 98 in the, in the cusp of the Attitude Era, Matt? I would have... I think I would have put him with Kai and Tai, right, as like the leader and kind of made them like a Yakuza type group and made them serious, but bring in better Japanese talent too, not just like Dick Togo, Dick Togo. <laughs> I mean, I think I've said it before on this podcast. Um, might not have heard it on Podbean. It might be one of the ones still to, to come to put up, but I wouldn't have had Yoko drop the title until the Austin at WrestleMania 14 late. I think I've mooted that idea before of having a four-year unbeatable champion that looks like Yokozuna and then having Austin beat him. But obviously, that, that, that would have depended on booking and time and you know whether Yokozuna's character would have aged very well. But I, you I think... Up, you, we're straight up saying, fuck the boyhood dream. We're past that. <laughs> no, Sean. Nope. Absolutely. Just, I mean, just imagine how much better... A heel, a monster, unbeatable monster would have been than Shawn Michaels. Is, you know, I'm not saying Shawn, you know, Shawn Michaels could have made the Intercontinental title a, a forerunner to the WWF Championship, like Rob Van Dam did with the ECW Television Championship. But, uh, you, know, you know, just so much potential wasted, I think, with Yokozuna. And it could have gone, history could have been so much different. Hey, at least we would have missed out on the whole Diesel run, so that would be a good thing. Exactly. Although I'm not sure King Mabel versus Yokozuna for the title would have been 
and oh, you know that's getting booked because it did booked it wasn't even for a title you know sure as shit that would have got booked for a title oh, we reap God. what we sow don't we matt sometimes <laughs> we do indeed so moving on to this last point um and remembering the eric's what eric watts could have a late potential here oh. rockabilly rockabilly and jesse james join sean and hunter as members of the elite maybe eric watts can fit in this group brian christopher could <laughs> the this last line is just sunny can fit if you let them abuse her did this man have a problem with getting a woman travis was he so angry with women that he just wanted to abuse them what i want to know god how many dead hookers has uh <laughs> Russo pushed down the river in his life. Never to be seen again. God, he hates women. <laughs> what does that even mean? Abuse her? What? Trust me, Sean was doing plenty, plenty of abuse to Sonny backstage anyway. I think she was. She had her fill. Oh, damn. Eric Watts. Eric fucking Watts. Was he even there? At this um, time. According to Jim Cornette, he was still under contract from Techno Team 2000, just wasn't being used. The original JTG run. Well, my God, let's just throw in fucking Scott Putsky in DX while we're at it. Let's just throw in fucking PG-13. Why stop there, Vince? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the but... the worst thing I've... Eric <laughs> Watts in DX takes... You can't top that. Oh God! Just is, I will say it. I will say it's really fucking creepy that you wanted to name him the Elite. It's super weird. Absolutely. Oh my God! I'm sorry. I'm just picturing DX. You got Sean. You got Hunter. You got the Outlaws. <laughs> you got everyone. <laughs> hey, you know, bro, the group's the Elite. The, yo, bro, the group's the Elite starts with the letter E. You know what else starts with E? Eric. Put Eric Watts in there. <laughs> oh, my God. And then this just poor, bedraggled, abused Sonny at ringside. Just two black eyes, you know, ripped skirt, just <laughs> smudged makeup. <laughs> oh, and there, with a bow in the backstage. <sighs> God. Who would be the X-Pac with the video camera in the stable running around all the time like a goofball to be Eric Watts? Or to be uh, oh, Scott Putsky? Oh, the little sick. Of the Brian, that, let's, not forget Brian Christ, let's not forget Brian Christopher was mentioned in this this little lot as well. Brian Christopher's a tough one because, my God, that kid understood his gimmick and he was so good. He is so underrated at how that laugh and just the charisma. He was a good worker. I he just I, he wouldn't fit in this this wasn't the right piece of the puzzle for him i can't imagine him having any on-air chemistry with triple h or Shawn michaels at all i just can't <laughs> oh I, I i suspect they'd have looked at him and gone past what you got next but then they did have x pack even though he was like in their little clique yeah you think of that like 25 years after this you know, guys get inducted in the Hall of Fame, then they get inducted twice because they were in a stable. Could have had Eric Watts, that DX induction up there, trashing pissant companies. Eric Watts putting AEW <laughs> on blast instead of. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, I can't. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> one night in China with Eric Watts. I, I think we should move. Whose question was that? Um, that was where is it? Christian McGregor, new listener. Christian McGregor. Wow, you're gonna you're gonna be hard to top. <laughs> I can safely say, you know, all due respect to all these great questions we've got to come, nothing's gonna top that. Uh, that that was possibly my favourite one to answer that we've ever done. Oh, so let's move on to Austin Superfan on Podbean, who has, let me see, five questions for us, Travis, mostly about SummerSlam 92. <clears throat> so, number one, would the SummerSlam 92 card have been better with Ric Flair on it? No question. <laughs> I mean, it was Why basically, was it? it was a two-match, it was a two-match show, and Ric Flair in 92 could have only, only made it a three-match show. Why didn't he work it? Was he injured? I don't think he was injured. I just think it wasn't to be. Um, the whole. I mean, we're going to get into it a little bit later on with changes to the SummerSlam card, etc. We've got a, a good question there. Um, we'll see. In fact, in fact from we'll Austin Superfan, so we'll, we'll answer it in a few, few minutes. But the, the whole point was, you know, Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect there in a non-wrestling role to build up tension for the... You know, who who will sell out thing. Right. I mean, if we would have Flair match, we'd miss out on that amazing Nails and Virgil match. So, maybe it all worked out. <laughs> True. How can you top Nails, Virgil, Repo Man Crush? You know, who needs Ric Flair? In yeah. Oh, yeah. Question two. Why didn't the WWF bring back the big boss man to save Virgil? Again, this is at uh, SummerSlam 92. <clears throat> oh, dear. Um, Sorry, I've still because... got Eric Watts running through my mind. And so do I. So do I. I no worries. <laughs> you can tell we're struggling now because that's all we can because think I... Be- Because you got to think the process of booking back then was... You think you think Roman Reigns' title reigns long, guys. You bored of that? Programs back then ran year-long minimum. I think there was... Yeah. That attack boss man just kind of happened like two months before, so it's still kind of fresh. They're saving till Survivor Series. They wanted it, it, to them, it added more drama and it, it made the attack mean more keeping boss man off TV longer. I think, I think it was the right call. I don't the whole point in, the, in beating the shit out of Virgil was to show how vicious Nails was, and he was a pretty new right. character to see his uh, his attack be thwarted would have made him look a little weak. And he did. He would do the same. I think uh, Sergeant Slaughter after SummerSlam before the Boss Man returned as well. So you know, taking aim at the Boss Man's friends and you know people he he held in high regard. It it, it was you know, a way to t- tell a story. Yeah, it was a way to tell Nails. a story. Nails versus Slaughter, huh? I bet that was a shit fest. <laughs> and this wasn't Nails versus Virgil. Fucking hell. Um, I will say that attack. At least Virgil was mobile, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> oh, Nails versus Slaughter, staggering around the ring. Brilliant stuff. Um, that attack you mentioned, Travis, was on the May the 30th Superstars, but the boss man hadn't recovered really in storyline terms until about three months later. He, he would continue on house shows. 
uh, throughout the summer of 92 and did return to TV on the August the 15th Superstars in a win against Skinner, but that was a one-off. He wouldn't return properly until September the 12th. So, you know, technically, he could have been there because you've already brought him back on TV. People have seen him like two weeks before SummerSlam beat Skinner. But like you say, it, it, it was a storyline device to tell a story. You know, you've hurt the boss man. You've choked him out with a nightstick. You've put him on the shelf. Now you take aim at his on-again, off-again tag team partner, Virgil. Then another sort of authority figure in Sergeant Slaughter. It, it just made sense. I, I'm sure boss man would have got a great pop, Travis, if he'd have raced down to the ring as, as best he could at his size at SummerSlam 92. But maybe then the story wouldn't have worked quite so well. Why wasn't there ever like it would have made a hell of a tag team like the original Allied Powers? Why isn't wasn't there ever a character called the Big Bobby Man? It was just a Bobby and an American cop. The Big Bobby Man. <laughs> that is a good question. Actually, I do not have an answer for it. Maybe because um, they did, you... like kids on the playground and stuff would make signs like "Big Booby Man" and ruin him. They didn't trust <laughs> King. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, it's a possibility. What we do have an answer to, however, is the third question from Austin Superfan, who says, "Is it true that Nails was due for a feud with the Undertaker before he was fired?" Yes and no. Um, Nails was due for a house show feud with The Undertaker uh, before he was fired. It was to bridge a gap between Kamala and Giant Gonzalez uh, in that time between Survivor Series and the Rumble. But we all know the story of Nails and Vince McMahon in his office. um, And Papa Shango was then inserted into that. I mean, it's it's making the, the best of a bad situation, really, Papa Shango or Nails. But at least The Undertaker had chemistry with with Charles Wright and obviously the Bone Street crew stuff etc so I'm pretty sure he'd have preferred to work Shango than Nails yeah I mean (laughs) (laughs) wasn't wasn't the plan the plan house show feud was there wasn't the plan his next TV feud supposed to be Warrior it was um god I mean it's a a long-winded thing but obviously Warrior left very shortly after SummerSlam and before Survivor Series. And so that just never happened. And you know what? They, they, had, a, they had a long house show feud, Warrior and Undertaker, in 90, beginning of 91. What? Yeah. And it was dreadful. It was absolutely dreadful. Warrior won most of them. Um, yeah, people say The Undertaker was undefeated, except he wasn't. House show, The Undertaker lost at least, I think when I was writing the book, I counted at least 42 house show matches that The Undertaker lost, either by pinfall, disqualification, uh, count out, body bag matches that he I was going to say that. It, and you know, no sure as fuck, if it was a body bag match, Taker was losing. You know he wasn't yeah. winning that match. Exactly. And, and the matches, Travis, the self, I hear, were just abysmal. Just absolute. And I can believe it. You know, 91 Undertaker, 91 Warrior. It just wasn't a good combination. Um, I, and I can't Some imagine. Of Some of them are available on YouTube. And I think certain Blu-ray extras, they have Warrior and Undertaker matches. 
Oh, there you go. Avoid them at all costs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, fourth question. That, that one warrior, the, the last Warrior DVD into the light, I think that's an extra. I think. <clears throat> I think I might have that. Although I could watch it if I had. Or maybe I haven't. I don't know. I've got a lot of DVDs in, in a bag that I haven't actually got around to watching yet. But I, I will. And if it's on there, Travis, I will tell you. And I will tell you if it's just a shitty as we all imagined and heard that it would have been. So, question four. Did they change plans for the Intercontinental Championship match at SummerSlam 92 because of going to the UK? I mean, we both know the answer to this, Travis, and the answer is yes. Uh, a lot of plans changed, actually, for SummerSlam 92. Um, it was originally meant to be staged in Landover, Maryland. Is that how you pronounce it? I've never known how to pronounce that. Maryland, Marilyn. Maryland. Fair enough. So it was so meant pretend, to be staged. Pretend like, pretend like it's, a, it's an amusement park for mayors. Maryland. Maryland. Okay. <clears throat> so <clears throat> my voice, I'm doing the Michael Cole again on this podcast. <clears throat> Sorry. So the original plan was for it to be staged in Landover, but business was down in the the usa uk market was doing great business and i think it was like three months notice they had to shifting it to wembley but it worked for them and the original plan for the match they're talking about travis was of course Shawn michaels to beat bret hart in a ladder match for the intercontinental championship and it would have been the first ever ladder match on wwf television there you go matt facts <laughs> <laughs> you can actually catch a what you know the, that it was not that match obviously but the uh the warm-up for that match brett versus sean ladder match on the smackham whackham coliseum video i'm not sure whether it's on the have we we haven't reviewed that yet i'm pretty sure so i'm not sure whether it's on the network yet no and that match kind of sucks i'm just gonna say yeah <laughs> yeah what well, wasn't wasn't great um they did collide however for the WWF Championship at Survivor Series 92 in the main event, in another, should we say, passable effort to be kind to Shawn Michaels, Travis? Yeah, that match doesn't suck. I like that match. It was, it was all right. There was also uh, other, some other change plans for SummerSlam 92, just quickly. The idea was, after extensive research, I found to actually turn the warrior heel and aligning with flair and perfect but warrior refused this no flatly when it was pitched to him and the whole thing was turned into the rick flair scheme that we know um and obviously the other big one was papa shango's original opponent was meant to be kerry von eric but he had left the company in july and it ended up being el matador himself tito Santana. Can you see a heel Ultimate Warrior? I was sitting here processing that waiting to jump in. I, I, I don't know how you make that work. I really don't. I mean, <laughs> he's he's tailor-made to just be a lifelong babyface. He's a superhero character. Like, yeah. and, and even to make him I mean, you you can make that work but Dark Side Warrior? I mean, isn't he already that? He's just batshit crazy? Like, Yeah. And, and and what what would the what would those fucking promos even be like if he do just 
turns <laughs> heel with flair now and he has to be subdued jim hellwig well then the curtains pulled back too far the kids know the warrior thing i don't know i don't know i'm glad they didn't yeah i'm glad he flat out refused it as well not that it would matter even if he'd have said yes because he'd be gone in a month or two's time so they, they wouldn't have even got to the point travis where they could really explore the yeah. you know the dark side of him Right. Question five, the last one from I think it was Austin Superfan. Um, first AEW question of the night: What do you think of Adam Page saying that he doesn't need to listen to advice from veterans? For me, it's arrogant, exposes an ego that I hoped he wouldn't have, and it speaks volumes of how the AEW roster see themselves. It's stuff like this that makes viewers angry and not want to watch. I think that does speak volumes to the kind of character he has and when i read that news i was shocked because he comes off yeah. like one of the nicest guys willing to listen to veterans now it also depends on the veteran now if i'm out here he's a former champ world champ if i'm out here and disco inferno is giving me advice <laughs> i'm gonna scoff it off <laughs> if william regal if william regal is telling me i'm doing something wrong and i'm just gonna i don't how you go tell william regal look in william regal's eyes and tell him you don't need to listen to him I thought that was the most arrogant, and it does. It does. It makes a good point. It makes you wonder how many other people have that philosophy. Because I guarantee you, a certain guy who calls himself the cleaner thinks the yeah. same fucking way. Because he sold out the egg dome with fucking Okada four fucking times. I guarantee you, he thinks he walked on water. Guarantee you. The part that really pissed me off about it, Travis, when I read it, and I was intrigued. I. I when I heard about it, I thought there's no way it, you know, it can sound as, as bad as people are making it sound. Boy, was I wrong. So the part in it that really got me was when he said, I listened to Pete, and I've got this down here. I've got a screenshot of it. I listen to people say things, but very rarely do I listen hard. I was part of the movement that created the entire company, and I'm a world champion. I don't know that I need their advice. What an arrogant little fuck. Yeah, that's part of the movement. What, everybody on that fucking roster was part of the movement because you were, you were friends with the guys that had the, enough money to start it. Exactly. You, you are on a coattail of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. You just happen to be talented. Uh, did you did you lose a little bit of respect for Adam Page when you heard that? I lost it before that because the one person in this whole punk elite fiasco that started this whole thing on air unprofessionally with Hangman Adam Page and he's got no reper repercussions from it. None. You talk about getting off scot-free, just robbing a bank. That guy stirred up all this shit. And was the most unprofessional. Yes, Punk was unprofessional. He did it at their media scrum. Hangman Page did it on their fucking actual show. <laughs> their fucking yeah. television show. That's the difference. And he did it first. And I think God help him now if AEW ends up folding in a few years' time, because that is going to come back to bite him on the ass. Well, you you are well, may or may not, because you know, we we thought you know, Braun Strowman was blackballed last year or two years ago when he shit on the Indies, but lo and behold, he's got work again. I don't know why they brought him back. That still baffles me. Braun, Braun Strowman does nothing for me. I'm sorry. We've been there. We've done that. Um, but the, the, the Hangman Page stuff, yeah, it's 
the arrogance in someone so young, it just speaks to kind of the state of the business. Yeah. And, and you know, and I say the kid has talent, at least he had, but you got guys that carry themselves like Joey Janela and <laughs> fucking people like that. Nick Gage, these fucking useless professional wrestlers, right? And fuck yeah. you. If you want to vanity search me, that's on you. You're the one that's supposed to be Mr. Superstar of the Great White, but you you vanity search yourselves on Twitter, people that critique you and you block them. Swerve Scott, fucking Mia Yim, guilty of the same thing. I guarantee you way more than Hangman Adam Page carry themselves like that. I love the guy, but I can totally see Keith Lee being like that too. Totally oh, I'm a, I think there's a lot of people that you can see be like that, especially now they're out of a system like the WWE system where they'd have to listen to to coaches like that. I think, I think that's the difference. If Adam Page was to be forced out of AEW, i.e. it shut down, he had to you know, seek work elsewhere, and he landed up in the WWE system. Can you see him going into the PC and going, I don't need to listen to any of you. Just put me on telly. I know what I'm doing. He, he wouldn't make it a week. He's Osprey. Uh, Will Osprey. <clears throat> Career right now, this chip on his shoulder. A lot of those guys just need a simple wake up call. Is all it takes. Yeah. I like to see Hangman Page walk up to Sheamus and be like, "I don't need to listen to you." Sheamus would rip down and remove his <laughs> spine from his body in one fluid motion. Oh, I would love to see that. I pay to see that on pay per view. So, Adam Page, you arrogant little prick. I think I think that's the sentiment from us both here. Let's do it. So, Ava Meyer from Germany asks, who was the most commercially successful NXT UK champion? I mean, commercially successful, got to be Pete Dunne. Rhea Ripley. I don't think that she was talking about women's champions, but, okay. I mean. And, um, I don't know. Right now, just Gunter, I'd have to say, because they're just the transition he's made as opposed to Pete Dunne. He wasn't brought in as a silly meme. He was brought in as a shit kicker. I mean, I, I, guess I, I, I can go either I, or, I guess. I mean, I could totally say that. If, if we're going for a commercially successful when they were champion, I mean, Pete Dunne built the entire brand on his back. He he, he helped almost single-handedly sell out Blackpool 1. Uh, just the interest in the brand you know, from both sides of the pond, I think, when he was champion, I would have to say, because he came, obviously, before Walter did. But you, you could go Dunn or Walter. They both, you know, brought eyes to the brand. They both brought new viewers, if you like, to the brand and also to uh, to the TV tapings and pay-per-views. Let me take it back to my statement so I'm not 100% wrong and out of loop. I will say it's kind of hard to argue that the biggest success story out of all NXT UK so far has been Rhea Ripley out of any of them. She's found the most success and mainstream success so far. Why is she not the leader of Judgment Day? Let's be honest. I feel like she is without them saying it. <laughs> like she, we don't want, we don't want to tell you she is. but if she, if she isn't, they need to make her because it's obvious yeah. who's got the star power in that group right now. Absolutely. So question two from Ava. Uh, where does Roman Reigns go after losing the titles? Surely he's done after. I, I would second that, Travis. Um, I said on Twitter, I think week before last maybe, that once he drops the titles, 
he's he's got to be done as a wrestler. Like there's nowhere else to go. It's like being God and then <laughs> literally just you know being forced out of that role and just dropping down and being a disciple. You, there's nowhere to go for Roman Reigns after this. I think there's plenty of places to go. I, it's just a matter of how you do it. I don't think he's done as a wrestler. I mean, with this kind of God run, I mean, he could challenge again for the title once or twice, but he needs to lose those matches, right? And that just makes whoever yeah. the champion is look stronger being Roman the rematch. But he moves into a not quite a full-on Undertaker role, but as far as elevating new guys and Look, you know, he doesn't have to be the champ to remain relevant on TV. He's 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 made his resume now. If he didn't already before, I mean, my God, there's there's plenty of use out of Roman Reigns. I don't think he's done it all. Now that's not saying he's not going to take a little break. If anyone deserves a break, it's Roman Reigns. We haven't even we've said this since day one. That's even been rumored. The Rock versus Roman needs no title. That doesn't need any title online yeah. to get over and to do big business. We still have that. Yeah. We're a long way from being done with Roman, his health willing and everything. And I'm fine with that. The guy's money right now. The question is, does he want to? Is he doing this and then does he have eyes on Hollywood? Because we've heard time and time again that, you know, he wants to go to Hollywood, that people are interested in him, etc. Does he do a rock? Does he drop the title to Cody and then just go to Hollywood and see? What happens? And obviously, if it takes off for him, just doesn't come back apart from sporadically to make a appearance here and there. I mean, I guess only Roman could answer that. The only reason I don't think he would be as such a worldwide star as Cena and The Rock, because we saw him in that one movie with The Rock. He's yeah. he's nowhere near he's nowhere near <laughs> as good of an actor as either. in even this whole two year dominant run. It's not like Roman's out here spitting Ric Flair fire promos. He's very monotone. He's to the point, but he's yeah. Heyman. He's not a charismatic man. He's just simply saying, coming out here very serious. That's all he's done in his promos. Can, if anyone can name that one Roman Reigns promo in this two-year run that was just, my God, <laughs> the fire and the passion, I, I would love to see it. And I'm not saying this, that it's been bad. Because I think he's been booked perfectly. Because he's not capable of delivering those promos. They got him someone else that could do it for him. He stood and stands there, looks mean, says the catchphrases that work. Bada bing, bada boom. That's how you book Roman Reigns. They've been doing a fine job, in my opinion. There you go. Um, it, it, it's the test for Roman Reigns when they take Paul Heyman away from him or when he's in a, a field of work where he doesn't have someone else to do that sort of thing for him. Exactly. There we go. So thank you, Ava, for that. Wrestle King has one question for us. From what I saw, and you'll love this, this is your question, Travis. From what I saw from pictures of power and glory, they look like beasts. Should they have been a big deal? Excuse my ignorance if they were, I've just never heard of them. Well, first of all, that's very ignorant to not recognize the greatest team who's ever teamed. Oh, and no, they were, uh, <laughs> it goes back to it goes back to Rick Martel syndrome, what we said at the top of the show, just the amount of talent on the roster at that time. Had they been there in 95, fuck yeah, tag team champs. Had they been there in 94, blah, blah, blah. Had, would they be there now? Yeah. It was just there. You talk about the, the epitome of golden age tag teams in that company. They were there and they didn't stand a chance. There you go. 
and uh, it, it, it would be less sad the answer to that question if he wasn't wearing a power and glory t-shirt while he answered it so <laughs> so karen l on podbean asks us i do not remember what what is what is wrong with you people go back and research i do not remember natural disasters being heels at all do you prefer them as heels or baby faces <laughs> heels you see that's where we differ it's like i thought they were good as heels but baby face natural disasters i think will always be my team i think i've said I before i've still got a poster of them somewhere when they were baby face like i didn't hate it but they came off more like two big baby hueys or two big lovable hanna-barbera cartoon characters when they were baby faces i don't know i just like them better destroying people with heels oh fair enough if they worked did... more, maybe if they worked more teams than just the fucking beverly brothers i'd have more to go off yeah. of in that era <laughs> I think they were particularly good as heels against uh, LOD for that very short time. But as baby faces, I think they shone against Money Inc. I think Money Inc. were the team that made them look like proper, proper baby faces rather than just two big men hitting on, hitting on, not hitting on, obviously. Two big, <laughs> two big men squashing two supposedly beautiful blonde-haired men. Jesus called Mike Rotunda, beautiful blonde-haired man. I was referring to the Beverly Brothers, but oh, if, that's, okay. if, that, if that's your taste, Travis, then each to their own. I mean, maybe back in his captain days when he had a boat. <laughs> you know? Good old Captain Mike Rotunda. Eh? What, so a, question, what, a ran, what a random fucking question. I love it. <laughs> uh, these, these were left on our SummerSlam. No, they weren't. They were left on our Battle at the Royal Albert Hall episode as well, so... Just for some context, um, where do Nasty Boys rank in the list of all-time great tag teams? For me, out of what, like a hundred? If I okay, out of fifty, forty-nine. <laughs> I fucking man, even, look. <laughs> even 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 as a kid, if I, if I was watching like. A WCW Saturday Night or Superstars, and they announced up next the Nasty Boys. I would groan, or I'd change it. Nothing's changed since I was a kid. They, um, I just, they, I just never got them. I, I never, nothing was cool about them to me. They were like fucking idiots. They acted even worse than they looked. <laughs> Terrible. Oh my god, this is why I love doing the show with you. Just amazing answers. For I, me, I guess the, the real question is who would number 50 be? I guess it would be <laughs> Ding Dong, Lo Brown, WrestleMania 15. Oh, there you go. As for, for me, I think I didn't hate the Nasty Boys as much as you did. I mean, the, the overriding memory I think of the Nasty Boys was the the face rub in the, the armpit. I think that that's like the outstanding memory of them. I don't think their matches against the Steiners in WCW were terrible. Um, I, I seem to remember Scott Steiner nearly breaking his own neck. But then I think that's an indictment of, do I remember those matches more for the peril Scott Steiner put himself in than for the Nasty Boys gave to the match? Probably. Probably. I didn't hate their matches, if you want to call them matches with Public Enemy and WCW. They're just fun matches, the brawls. I didn't yeah. hate the match, the matches with Max Payne and Cactus. Um, 
But when you're going out there with the heart at WrestleMania and you're delivering a stinker with Bret Hart on the stage of stages, or or you're going out there with the Rockers on in any ring and not delivering, there's an issue. And yeah. I really, I think the issue was Brian Knobs. I think Jerry Sags was by far the better worker. I can't believe I'm even saying that. Brian Rob, Brian Robs, Brian Knobs inside and out of the ring is. I just can't stand the man. I can't stand his real persona, and I can't stand him. He's just disgusting. He's a disgusting <laughs> human being. Oh, brilliant stuff! Question three uh, from Karen: Do you know why Battle Royal at the Albert Hall was advertised as a WWF European Rampage event? I do know this uh in case anyone missed it on the cover of the vhs there is a wwf european rampage logo um and that's because this wasn't originally meant to be in a like a televised event it was part of the wwf's 1991 european rampage tour they just decided uh because of television rights and they struck a deal with sky in the united kingdom that they would advertise the event from the Albert Hall. They slapped a fancy name on it, but yes, it was originally part of the European Rampage tour. So that, that basically answers that. You got anything to add to that one, Travis? Let's be at the legendary Albert Hall where like Bowie and Elton John and the Beatles have played. Why wouldn't you shoot TV from there? Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful venue. Oh dear. Question four from Karen. One reviewer once described Tito Santana. I don't know why I'm laughing because it's not even a funny question. One reviewer once described Tito Santana as the second greatest babyface worker behind Ricky Steamboat. Do you agree with this? One of us said that? Or somebody no, else? No, no. Just, just one reviewer she, she put. So um, I don't know who the reviewer is, but. Um, I kind of agree with it. Maybe not number two right behind Ricky, but I think he's ah, Tito Santana's got to be in the conversation for like top five or ten ultimate baby faces of all time. A guy you just can't fathom turning heel. You know what I mean? He's yeah, he's in that conversation, just not where you put him or that reviewer put them. So they're not totally wrong. Who would you say is the second greatest baby face worker behind Ricky Steamboat? If you put Ricky Steamboat at number one. Ironically, another Ricky, Ricky Morton. Nobody came from underneath like Ricky Morton and made you believe it. Yeah. Now that, that's you a good what? That's You a know good what? Call. Number three, even though he was a tremendous heel, the one, two, three kid. But just how could you not get behind the kid? Especially if you were a kid like we were. We thought the kid was like, my God, that could be me out there with these giants. And he's winning. Yeah. It's another one. So good in that role. I mean, obviously, Eric, Randy Savage and Bret Hart come in there. Eric amazing Watts. You <laughs> can't leave him out. Hall of Famer, DX member. Eric Watts. <laughs> really oh, God. Uh, Bret Hart and Randy Savage, obviously, in that conversation as well, I think. Well, at least for me. Fair enough. Not quite the level of Eric Watts, but, you know, just, oh. just behind him somewhere. Question five from Karen. Was the Royal Samovar Trophy real or just a figment of WWF's imagination? Now, I'd forgot all about this, Travis, because obviously we recorded that episode fucking two, three, four, three years ago now. Um, four years ago, even. 
So I had to go and look at this, and apparently there is a, there is a Samovar trophy that exists in the United Kingdom, and it is the, well. This is the official blurb of the website that sells them for nine thousand pounds. Okay. Um, oh God. A charcoal samovar trophy is a godsend for those who love tea drinking in the fresh air. It keeps the hot water hot for a long time. Thanks to this, you'll really be able to enjoy a pleasant conversation. So, a, you know, samovar trophy is basically a £9,000 kettle. So if you fancy one, ladies and gentlemen, they are available online. Go to Google if you've got nine grand spare. But if not, so, then just watch Battle Royal at the Albert Hall and you'll get to see one for free. Imagine the winner of the Rumble this year, men's and women's. And they they don't they change the rules. They don't get a shot at the title, they get a, a Keurig coffee maker for one in the Rumble. <laughs> you get a lovely cup of tea for winning it. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> uh, get an espresso maker. They're not cheap. Espresso makers are like nine hundred bucks. Yeah, you get that if you win the Rumble. <laughs> Only WWF, I think, at the time could could, could make a coffee or a tea, a tea maker the fucking like the big grand prize of a, a battle royal well, and make it sound, Travis, like it was this foreign piece of just brilliant this gold, you know. That that was kind of the rumor going around this year for the Rumble. Like they're thinking about maybe like not having the winner go to Mania anymore. So they thought about a, a Keurig coffee maker, and the winner, believe it or not, there's rumored to be Eric Watts this year. So there's that. <laughs> oh, this what is some of the top of the drop. That truly is. There's your American nightmare. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> oh god. So we're going to finish off. We have four more questions. Shouldn't be much longer. I know everybody listens. To this is desperate for the toilet. I know I am. Casey Erickson. Think no. What? Think and think while they listen. We gotta they, hold it till we're done. We're the troopers. That, that yeah, that's true. That that's one of the marvels of a phone. You can take it with you while you listen. We can't. We are busting. Let us know in the comments, guys. How many of you guys listen to us while pooping? No, don't do that. Next, <laughs> move it on. So Casey Erickson has three AEW questions. Oh joy for us. Number one, Tony Khan said he can't fit everyone on TV with just two weekly shows. Do you think he sees the irony now of signing so many names? I don't know what the fuck he was even thinking in the first place. Yes, I do. Um, well, <laughs> what the fuck do you expect is going to happen, man? I, I guess the only reason he's thankful to have such a... God, what's the roster up to now? 120? Like, I'm, not even, I'm not I joking think on that number. I think the cast of Ben Hur had less fucking people in it than AEW's roster. Here's one good thing of having a roster that size. The Divas had their blow up at the media scrum two weeks ago. They've got Danielson, they've got Mox stepping up, they've got all these guys stepping up now, and their ratings are going up. Biggest yeah. rating they've done in months last week, as we said earlier. So that's one of the pluses. The obvious negative is the bloat. And and uh, someone like an Ethan Page, you know, just being stuck in this jobber stable with big casts and Stokely had the fuck in my watch and the and the ass boys. I you want me to take a stable seriously? How about don't put big casts or the ass boys in it? That's a good starter for me. 
just a, so much misdirection. I, I, man, we talked about Russo earlier, and my God, we know how bad that shit was. But yeah, even Vince Russo and Vince McMahon at his all-time worst didn't act like a petulant child creating universe mode in a video game with a wrestling. Fan. And that's essentially what Tony Khan's done. He, he, and God damn it. I keep saying it, but he needs to stop this. I need a perfect wrestling show that appeals to all wrestling fans. So where every segment on this show, you're going to get your silly PWG shit. You're going to get your serious shit. You're going to get your, that's not the answer. Streamlined, sensical, long-term booking that makes sense is always and forever going to be the answer to any company ecw and wa i don't give a fuck the booking has got to have a tie on the boat you can't leave your shoes untied or you're going to trip and right now a lot of pairs of runners i said runners out of respect you like that huh? i know you guys call that are untied they are completely left untied right now tie up the shoe of the acclaimed there's no reason that the acclaimed on the tag belts this week Tony Khan just has no clue what the fuck he's doing. None. And I would just add to that by saying I don't think at all he sees the irony of signing so many wrestlers. Even though he admitted he can't fit them all on, I still don't think he he sees the irony of like he can't fit them on, but he keeps signing them. If you see the irony of it, you stop signing them and use what you've got. I don't he's think a, at all man. it clicks with him. He's very delusional. He thinks just because he snagged Ring of Honor, well, I can put all these extra guys that don't have time for him there. There's a problem with that. You got to find fucking TV for Ring of Honor. You can't keep main eventing your AEW show with Ring of Honor title matches. No. They lost 400,000 viewers the last time they did that. Because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just, no, it doesn't make sense. Imagine an all in 98 if the main event was Jeff Jarrett and Barry Windham for the NWA title. Boy, I bet that audience would have stuck around and not flipped TNT, huh? Oh, dear. Would, would AEW, in your opinion, Travis, just quickly, be better off without Tony Khan at the helm? Yes. It would be. No, they need a booker. It, I don't know if it'd be better off without him at the helm. I don't know. I don't know how to run a business. But I do know wrestling. And I do know that he needs a booker. He's, he's going to burn himself out. We've seen this with Paul Heyman, Herb Abrams. He's going to do it. It's going to happen. It's already happening. He's, he doesn't know how to book. I hate, I hate to say that. I know a lot of people are going to hate to hear that, but the man doesn't <laughs> know shit for booking, especially with women, especially with women. Fair. I've never seen a guy who loves fucking stables. It's like a guy that works with horses. Holy shit. It's like Oprah Winfrey. You get a stable. You get a stable. Jesus Christ. That takes the whole specialness of stables away when everyone has a stable. Stop doing yeah. that. Absolutely. Fuck. So question two. Has AEW cost Tony Khan too much personally and professionally when he's not only spending too much of his own money on what's become a pretty subpar venture, but he's also ignoring his commitments to Fulham FC in the Premier League. Now, in case people don't know, Tony Khan does own uh, Fulham Football Club in the English Premier League, the highest football league in the country and one of the, the best in the world. Um, that's not just me saying that, Travis, obviously, because it's English, but the, the English Premier League is regarded as one of the 
best football leagues in the entire world. Um, I would add to that, however, that Fulham, Tony Khan's club, are doing really well right now. As we record this, they're like sixth place in the league out of 20. You know, they bought well in the summer with goalkeeper like like Bernd Leno, um, Andreas Pieri in midfield, Daniel James from Leeds. People who know football know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, they've, they've done great in the, the transfer window. They've got their striker finally, you know, firing on all cylinders after like two years of him not really doing much at all. But make no mistake about it, like none of that is down to Tony Khan. It's all thanks to Marco Silva, the manager, and the board that Tony Khan put in place to run the club. None of Fulham's, apart from, you know, some of the money he's put in, but then that goes back into the club from other transfers and other money they've made. None of it is down to what Tony Khan has done for the club because this man has been so narrow-minded on AEW that his other ventures have almost just passed him by. Well, you ask any Jacksonville Jaguars fans what they think of the cons as owners. Not people that don't even know what AEW is, and they'll tell you that they've ran that franchise into the ground. I think out of all the things that Tony has his fingers in, I think this is 100% the most he's invested in. I think his dad and his sister probably handle more um, the NFL aspect. The soccer, I have no clue what you know, like he handles. But I th- no, I think he's busiest with AEW. Yeah, honestly. I mean, because I think with AEW, he has he has a lot of naysayers as opposed to the other things. So with AEW, this is kind of a I'm going to shove this down your throat type thing with AEW. It's like a passion yeah. project, you know. Well, he he had been accused by Fulham fans um, a year or two ago when they were relegated from the Premier League and into the lower leagues, of which it's notoriously difficult to get out from. Um, that. Tony Khan wasn't investing any money at all into the football club and he was just concentrated on you know AEW and financing that he came under a lot of criticism here for that and I think he's listened because obviously he spent well this summer I think Fulham spent something like 80 90 million pounds on players to get them where they are now but again Travis it's not Tony Khan that any of this is down to it's the people that he's put in place to run the club and run his other ventures while he just you know just narrow-mindedly focuses on AEW. yeah yep there you go we can't put it any more succinctly than that so question three travis and you'll know this better than me because i don't watch it why is AEW flatlined I was hopeful it would go somewhere, but it felt dead. I've moved on to MLW as an alternative to WWE because it feels fresher. Um, a lot, a lot of factors. Uh, honestly, the one for one, the business in general is pretty cold. I mean, when wrestling's highest number is like a two point eight, and that's SmackDown. That compared to what we're used to from back in the day, that's nothing. Um, to, to the specific question of what I think is flatlined. Goes back to what I was saying. They try to uh, to appease to too many tastes in wrestling and throw it in a blender, right? You can't mix like I love garlic and I love like chocolate, but if you mix them, it's going to taste like fucking shit, probably, right? So stuff <laughs> like that. 
bad luck thing like the injury bug that company was so cursed with injuries in the past year and a half i'll say a big thing not just with aw but the pandemic didn't help when you had to look at daily's place every week and putting talent in the stands as fans that's fucking cringe i, I don't want to say the omega title run because they were doing actually pretty good numbers when that was going on with the chase with hangman um I can't point my finger specifically at one reason. I think a lot of things, even if the drama didn't go down at that media scrum, CM Punk's body has turned on him completely. You can never put a world title on that guy again. He he's just made a glass anymore. He's not yeah. he's not a spring chicken. He uh, he should for one he should be doing stupid shit like stage diving into the crowd if they're investing <laughs> you as top. That's how he hurt his. That's how he broke his fucking foot in the first place. And the triceps tear, that was a freak thing on a tope, but man. they need that one. And when I say, I put a joke tweet out yesterday. This will never happen. You might have seen it, Matt. This will never happen. They need that one. And when I say head turner, I don't mean Cesaro. If John Cena showed up at Arthur Ashe Stadium this Wednesday unannounced to his heel music, cutting a heel promo, AEW just won the fucking war for now. I'm telling yeah. you, it's it boils down to what happened with WCW. It's just that one key guy is all it takes to take it next level. And you book it around that, and you, hopefully you don't fuck the booking up. Chris Jericho, his resume speaks for himself, but not one time in wrestling has he ever been that one head-turner top guy. Never. Daniel Bryan, love him. Never. John Moxley. The clown of the shield, right? Yeah. I, they're just missing, they're missing that. And you know what? The summer of punk. And it was great. It was great to be there. And he, yeah, he was a top guy then. But punk is not John Cena. I'm sorry. Punk isn't that guy. And I, I called it last year. I said, this, this bringing punk in, that's great. It was an awesome, perfect debut. But in my mind, I kept saying, Matt, give this a year. If the fans aren't burnt out and bored on CM Punk, he's either going to be injured or there's going to be drama. And where are we? All of those things have happened. <laughs> uh, this belt. man can see into the future. They Look, they should have put the goddamn belt on Brian Danielson to begin with. You could still have CM Punk in the big money matches. It didn't have to be for a belt. He's established. He's CM Punk. He yeah. doesn't need the goddamn belt. You could say that for Brian Danielson, but it's different. Brian Danielson is always booked as the wrestler's wrestler. They literally call him the greatest in-ring wrestler of all time. So what better guy to have as your champion for young guys to challenge? It only makes them better. With CM Punk, let's be real. CM Punk had three hot years in his career, and that was it. Three years, he was red hot. And he shot himself in the fucking foot, and he shot himself in the foot now. So to say, one, why they're flatlined? There's a lot of people in that company people can't stand on the outside. There's been a lot of controversy racially by Big Swole. A lot of the black community, whether you agree with Big Swole or not, a lot of the black community have turned their backs on this company simply from the Big Swole stuff. The Jade Cargill stuff infuriates me. I can only imagine how much it infuriates women like Ember Moon back there and, <laughs> and people like that. Could you imagine? You bust yes. your ass for years to have this roided up fucking freak with two left feet who hasn't gotten better. Guys, and I'm ranting, I get it. I don't know what you're watching. She's not gotten better. Show me the comparisons and I will <laughs> gladly call it out. I don't see it. 
I don't know what he sees. I don't, I don't know what he thinks, but he needs to fucking figure it out fast. Thankfully, I'll give him credit on this. He turned this mess into, into promising, you know, we got the finals of the tournament, Arthur Ashe, their second biggest dynamite of the year. He's pulled himself out of the fire on this, right? With this mess with the elite. But how many times can he pull himself out of the fire? He's got to be very fucking careful going forward. It's time to be a boss. It just is. Stop yeah. fucking hugging everyone at press conferences. Be their boss. That's how you make it work. What what an answer that was. Thank you. Um, I don't even know. Casey Erickson. Great questions. Um, we're going to finish on a quick and easy one, Travis. A happier one than AEW from Javier. Now, Javier is Mexican. He types all his messages into Mexican, which means I had to put this into Google Translate to get it out. Um, apologies if it's not completely formed, Javier. Um, so what I'm assuming or hope Javier asked us is, in addition to Battle Royal at the Albert Hall, and the 2018 United Kingdom tournament has WWE ever returned to the Albert Hall because it is an impressive place that needs to be used more. Uh, yes, they returned on March 24th, 1994 for a show on their European tour where men on a mission beat the Quebecers for the tag titles and Brett versus Owen headlined for the WWF championship. And they also returned on October the 4th, 95 for their full metal tour, which Travis boasted the classics, Man Mountain Rock versus Brad Radford, Wayland Mercy versus Sparky Plug, and Diesel oh. versus Yoko Zuda for the WWF Championship. That sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> Wish I'd have got tickets for that. My God, what, what an event. Do you imagine... Little Matt back in 95 talking to his parents' pants like, Mom, but it's Man Mountain Rock and Rad Radford. Can we please go? <laughs> oh, God. The disappointment on people's faces when that came on. I can only imagine. But it's something there, I'd like to see released on DVD. Yes, there has got to be video footage of this amazing supercard. There's got to be. Because I can only imagine what the fuck else is on this card. Holy shit. Oh, God. I think Doink versus IRS was on the 94 card. Um, I can't remember what else it said was on the... I think... Oh, yes. Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Henry Godwin was on the 95 card. That's the only ones I can remember. With <sighs> that, we will end this massive episode on Henry Godwin. Sounds good to me. What else could we possibly end it on, Travis? Honestly. Oh, dear. Oh, take us home, Travis, because we're tired. We need the toilet. Everybody's burnt out. My voice is about to, to give up on us. I will do my best, Matt. As always, follow Matt on Twitter at BruiserMate, M8. Check out his book, Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One, available at lulu.com. All your official Wabiki TMD merch, unionsmack.bigcartel.com. Shout out to our boy, Rocky Baya. Get over there. His pro wrestling tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash Rocky Baya for some sweet merch, Rocky. Great designs, awesome stuff. And as always, like I said earlier, 
the channel's back firing all cylinders habiki tmd on youtube get over there hit that red button subscribe terry balea horror podcast gaming content if you're a nerd you're gonna dig it me as always on twitter at huss hogan matt did i miss anything you didn't miss anything um next week travis superstar series begins with scott hall razor ramon and we'll, we'll just keep you updated basically you know where to send your questions you know where to send any inquiries you know everything you need and of course look out for the eric watt superstar series which has to be coming your way <laughs> before christmas there's no way we cannot do that now there's no way at least for april fools or at least we'll really sit on christmas day the eric watts special my god as if people what some people would as if some people wouldn't be depressed enough <laughs> What do you think the ghost of Christmas past would have shown Eric Watts? Like, you take him to Eric. Eric was a kid and Bill yelling at him, like, be a man! Stop being a sissy! Uh, I think the ghost of Christmas future would have took him to 1997, showed him DX and gone, if you'd have been good, look what you could have had. The ghost of Christmas future took him to fucking TNA, burning in hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It just stopped at Techno Team 2000. Well, this is the best it'll ever get for you. We best so, and I will sorry, never, Eric. <laughs> I will never forgive them for naming one of them Travis. Until next week, fans. Union Smack Podcast. Cheerio, mates. <laughs>